The MX5 show presented by 24MX, where we break down the weekend's racing uh, from a great track of the weekend, Lewis in France, uh, which was absolutely fantastic. We couldn't do this without our show sponsors, so thank you to Talon Wheels, X-Trig Triple Clamps, Liap, Recluse Clutches, XL Moto, Atlas Braces for all the support. Uh, I'm James Burfield, and alongside me is the MX5 editor, Lewis Phillips, and in the studio as always is Rob, our producer from Jukebox Beats. Say hello, Lewis. Oh, I was going to, but you immediately moved on. <laughs> <laughs> I even went over to the mic and then was like, oh, no, no. So how are you feeling after the weekend? Oh, great. Not tired at all. No? No. I'm slowly recovering from my podcast incident. Oh, yeah. yeah. So if anybody hasn't listened in yet uh, to the weekend's <laughs> podcast, he's still with us and, uh, and everybody, mental health is a serious issue. Uh, I know probably from listening to the podcast that uh, Lewis did sound a little bit traumatised. He actually was. Can I explain why I sounded as bad as I did? No. No, I just think everybody just needs to listen to the first 27 yeah, seconds I'll of explain, podcast. I'll explain. Okay. It was 4am. It was not 4am. You're it, exaggerating okay. now. Sorry, it was half three. It's not four o'clock though, is it? Okay, it was half three. Right, we've noticed this. Everyone, everyone else at MX Vice was asleep. Yeah. I was working. 
Yeah. Had to be quiet because I didn't want to wake everyone else up. Yeah. Why so, do you choose to be awake at half three in the morning? Uh, I have actually, I have um, work to do. Right. It's this thing. Okay. Like, you're of time management. Well, I currently have a lot on my plate, so. Well, maybe you should think about time management. There's some really good books out there. Okay. Yeah. It just, it helps you. Yeah. How was your full night's sleep on Sunday night? It was great because I put some great time management into uh, my weekend. So I have it all sort of structured so that come 12 o'clock, I can just go to bed. But you went to bed before 12 o'clock. Probably, yeah. I was tired. And I'm twice your age. What did you achieve at the weekend? A lot. I got some great insights. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. How's your insights going? Because I actually think you actually written your insights in the toilet, didn't you? No, I just quickly had a few stats I wanted to work out. No, you, you took your notepad oh, yeah. into the toilet. I didn't toilet. take the notepad. No, you did. You had I was the sat note- on my phone. No, you had the notepad in your hand because you said, yeah. I don't want you reading my yeah. insights. So I put it on a chair out there and then went to the toilet. Yeah, okay. You could ask uh, John if you want. Oh, right, okay. Now you've got witnesses. Yep. Okay. So what did you learn the weekend then, Lewis? Talk us through. I can't, you, what? So, <laughs> you really, like, so the show's just started and you want me to just rattle off all well, of my stats? Yeah, you no, just, you've got... I have, when the certain riders are brought up... Okay, well, do you want me to just pluck names out? No, just talk as normal. Go uh, do your, go about your business as normal. Our, our business in the podcast business? Yeah, yeah, that. That's okay. what we're doing here. So the weekend, the track looked really good. I really liked it. When was the last time we were there? Is it last year? <laughs> yeah, it was. We had this conversation. Amazing, amazing insight. I can so actually remember when we when we were last at uh, Central. And that's why I asked. But obviously, because now I think about La Rochelle, then uh, then we're cool because it's quite close. The track the weekend. Obviously, we had a massive downpour on Friday, which we talked about in the Saturday show, and it really lent to uh, some good racing on the Sunday. Uh, yeah, you could say that. I, I I didn't ride the track, so I can't really offer you much. But um... well, I'm guessing apart from the the podcast. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the post-race podcast is what you put together. I'm sure that you got some insights from riders about the track. That's why I was asking. Uh, oh, okay. You didn't actually want my thoughts on the track. <laughs> I never uh, want your thoughts <laughs> on anything. It's better just to get riders' thoughts. No, everyone just said it was hard. There wasn't really anything to make a difference. Start's important. The only thing that sticks out in my mind is I asked uh, Geyser where he was, because in practice he was a second and a half quicker than anyone Yeah. each time. So I asked him where he thought he was making that difference up, and he said nowhere. The only difference is you had to roll into the corners, and it was that entrance speed and exit speed to the corners was the only thing that was important on that track. Okay. And apparently he did it so well that he gained a second and a half a lap. Wow. Which seems a little far-fetched, but I I watched him for a long time and couldn't see him doing anything drastically different. What, in the corners? The only, no, anywhere. Because uh, okay. I was trying to see what he was doing, like whether he was going wide somewhere, where everyone was going inside or anything. But yeah. the only thing that I saw that was done drastically different to anything else was a uh, pulling on the wall jump. What was he doing? You have seen the video. No. Yeah. Okay. But so, w- so was he gaining much time from that? No. Um, being the great stats guy that I am, I got did you st- time it? I got a stopwatch out. Oh my word! You really need to get out more. I got a stopwatch out. Yeah. And uh, it was slower. And Geyser even said that because um, I said to Geyser like, uh, "Yo, you're the, you're like the crazy guy in MXGP. Like, I'm pretty sure you know that." Yeah. So you're normally the guy that would pull a line like that. And he was like, uh, "I saw Paulin do it in front of me. Actually, I think he was behind him, and he saw his shadow." Yeah. alongside him and was like, what the hell is going on here? But uh, he said it was slower. And my stats agree. Okay. So Geyser and everyone else in the field just scrubbed, well, rolled or skimmed the rest of the waves or doubled or whatever. He did send it. Who, Pauline? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It was great. Not sure why. French crowd got excited. Yeah, maybe. Whiskey, Risky. Whiskey throttle. There were a few times where he came up short. Okay. And I feel like the chances of blowing some spokes out are quite high. No, fair but, And it didn't really do much to his results either, so... Okay, something I want to speak about, uh, just going back to last week's podcast show, where you said that 
even though Geyser could go 1-1, it still wouldn't make any difference to standings at the end of the year. He'd have to carry on going 1-1-1-1-1, and Cost Caroli was going to be consistent with going 2-2-2-2-2-2. That's exactly what I think he said, was it, Rob? I think that was definitely the, the wording uh, that came out of your mouth last week. So at what point would you like to just put, make a public apology to me? I don't, like, you've been, you were on me about this. Like from because the you were so adamant. Yeah, so I was adamant. talking about till the end of the season. The end of the season. I was talking about the championship as a whole. And I mentioned that at one point, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come unstuck. That's just the, the, the variables in Motocross. And what okay. happened? It, it came unstuck. And how many points are we down to now? Ten. Do we have a championship race on? Uh, yeah, we do. But um, I, I stand I, I just by what I, I said. I just want to leave that out there. I, I, I stand know. by what I said. I think still. Yeah. Because, okay, Caroli came unstuck. Guys yeah. have gained a ton of points. Yeah. The only reason Guys is still 10 points down is because he himself has made more mistakes than Caroli this season. Okay. If, if, Geyser, if what I was saying wasn't true and Geyser was this consistent guy and it was Caroli who would come unstuck, then Geyser would be up 34 points now. But instead, he was able to minimize the damage from what he has done previously because Caroli had one bad race. And note, Caroli had one bad race. Geyser's had three this season. Where was his three bad races? Uh, Vulcan Swad, Moto, one, and yep. both Mantua. Okay. They weren't as bad as Crowley's big one, but Penny makes a pound and all that. Okay, but conditions in Mantua were, were tricky. Yeah. Okay. To so. be a world champion, you've got to deal with all of that. Okay. And this now sounds like I'm getting on Geyser, which I'm not, because I do think he's like well, riding the better than ever. Again, but I, I you, haven't got an opinion here. I'm you just are just here. putting words in my mouth. I am not. I would like, never do that. Try to claim that I'm wrong when we it's inconclusive at the moment. So you're still not admitting that. You no, and I'm not right this, either. You might have got this a little no, bit wrong. And I'm not right either because we don't know. Okay, so you're so you want me to accept right now that I'm wrong. No, I want you to accept that variables happen and it happened a lot sooner than you anticipated because you said even if he goes for the next four races and takes six, 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 he's still going to be you know you know miles away. And literally the next race, it's just happened. Okay. So but just, just what I, I'm saying is, I, I, would I just, said at the end of the season, I can't even remember what I said, but I think what I said at the end we, was we can play it back if you want. I think what I said was that at the end of the season, yeah, if you like weigh it all out, Geyser's mistakes will outweigh Caroli's or whatever. Okay, to be confirmed. But well, to be fair, to be fair, I feel like I was en route to be correct because Caroli was having how? Caroli was having a terrible weekend. He wasn't in the top ten at all on Saturday in free practice, time practice, or qualifying. Yeah. And yet in the first motor, he st- still came out and got a second. No, he Which is exactly what I was going at. Yeah. But no matter what happens or what goes wrong, he can still make it happen and not lose as much points as, say, guys that did at Mantova. Okay, maybe that was a bit off, but that second race was, you could call it a unique situation because he got he hit a gate that wasn't falling correctly. I think it's great how you spent the last 10 minutes trying to justify yourself and you, all you had to do was just say, yeah, I might have got it a little, little bit wrong. This is a talking show. This is not what they call it. Talk show. This is a talk show. Okay. I'm talking. Right, no problem. How many words have you said to show? Like seven? I don't know. But uh, one, the other thing which uh, I want to point to is this t-shirt here because we had a bet. And the bet was if I finished above you in MX Manager, you would wear a t-shirt. Now, now, put my hands up. The t-shirts didn't arrive in time. I bought six t-shirts. I was unable to wear them because you didn't actually have them. But I did think that on this podcast show, you could kind of, you know, as an act of faith, because... There were some points where you were just adamant that you're not going to wear this t-shirt. It wasn't there. Uh, no. I have around once about, again, I have six once again, independent once witnesses. Once again, inconclusive because who knows what I would have done. The t-shirt, the situation never came up. But I did give you the opportunity to wear the t-shirt on the podcast show for an hour today and you chose not to. 
I'm trying to think of a situation that I can compare this to, but I can't. So I think what's happened is is because you haven't gone through with your bet, then there has to be... uh, Okay, okay. What? So you're at the casino playing roulette. Yeah. Uh, You put your chips down. Yeah. 18 comes up. Yeah. And you go... I was gonna. I was gonna put my chips on there next time. Oh no, we Do did. Us. How about? We how about? No, no, we did have the bet. The bet was done. Yeah. Except you didn't. You. And you agreed to the, the bet. The bet was for a certain time, and you now want to just carry it over because you made a mistake. Oh, okay. No, no. So it's back on me. Yeah. Uh, okay. Because right. well, if you'd gotten them delivered in time. Okay. Okay. Oh, uh, interestingly, uh, we have Chris Cameron and uh, Nick Morgan uh, watching live. So hello to those guys. They're. Uh, on Twitter. Why are you talking to me like I'm a child? Like, say hello to them. Just wave to them. <laughs> oh, I just don't understand. Actually, yeah. Actually, I think if anybody is, if anybody's actually finding this an issue that Lewis not wearing a t-shirt on his podcast show of Lewis Sucks on after he agreed to, then it'd be good to tweet him. Just tweet him at, at Lewis Phillips. Is it underscore sent me one or sent me one? Uh, it's better just to tweet me through MX Vice. That's where I live nowadays. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I don't, I don't know. Whether you're still trying to push that, that, uh, I'm 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 Your a comp- brand. I'm a company man through and through. Oh all right, okay. All right, as you can see, we got some little goodies here. We're actually going to give away some Lewis Sucks T-shirts, but we've only got one X. X uh, sorry, one XL in six large T-shirts. So if you think you can fit in them, then uh, yeah, we're just going to give away six. What sizes do we have? Six uh, large and one XL. Oh. I think. I think we got yeah seven T-shirts altogether. So if you want a T-shirt, just add a comment into the live feed here or. Uh, Send us a message and um, we'll just pick the first seven people and we'll send them out. We need your addresses as well. And obviously the XL is only, only one, so first come, first serve. And we've got some Raven goggles to give away this week, uh, Raven Sniper. So uh, we've got four, four different goggles and we're just going to pick four random people who uh, just comment in the, uh, the podcast show when it goes live. So off the cuff. Like literally, as, as you were saying that, you were like, I could see your mind going like, what, yeah. are, we, what are we doing? What are we doing? That's what, we don't need to make it technical. Okay. We, don't, we, don't, we definitely don't need to make these things technical. It's like, if like you want to win it. you decided last night by yourself that we, we were going live today. Absolutely. And I, find, I found out through an Instagram story. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way because if I start to talk to you about it, it's like, nope, nope. I, would, I don't have a problem. We're, we're not having change. I don't have a problem. I was on the MXGP studio show. This is it's, it was a while ago you were on there. Like, yeah, I don't think I'm getting invited back. <laughs> no, I don't think you're getting invited back. It's still the limelight. <laughs> so the weekend. Uh, obviously, the you know not a big surprise for me, but uh, guys are going 1-1. He looked really good. He looked fast, smooth, in control. Stats for you here. Okay, let's uh, do stats. So out of uh, Portugal and France, mm-hmm. guys has been fastest in nine of the last 12 sessions. Or uh, been fastest slash one, whatever the session is. At okay. nine of the last 12. Two of the ones he wasn't fastest in were warm-up on Sunday morning, which means nothing. Right. So technically, only one of the sessions that actually means something, uh, qualifying race in Portugal, he has not won slash been at the top of the charts. What does that mean? He's fast. What? Okay. He's consistent. Oh, brilliant insight. Yep. Does that mean there's been a momentum shift? In what way? <laughs> Are you talking about Caroli? Yes. Feeling the pressure? Has momentum shit. Whereas Caroli was the man and f- like knew that after Mantova. Okay. Is it now different and does, is Caroli questioning himself and guys are sat there going, I'm See, the boy. It's so much better when you explain that. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was obvious. No, no, no. And, and the thing is, is you're not just talking to me, you're talking to everybody else. Okay. So, yeah. Brilliant. Explain with your momentum shift, please. I just did. <laughs> no, no, that oh, was really okay. helpful. Yeah, yeah. So what you're saying basically is now 
um, Tony is now feeling the pressure. No, that's not. That wasn't what I was saying. I was asking you a question. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why this is so hard for you. I just love to get you in trouble. Okay. Why is that me getting get me in trouble? Well, I'll, I'll ask the question again. Has momentum shifted? I don't think it has. No. I think it's just Tim is is you know you know riding more consistent. That's all. Like, so you just like, asked me, so yeah, just a very blunt answer, but just went nowhere. Well, I, I just think from if if you look at how he was at the start of the year, and you know we had the whole helmet gate and stuff like that, you know where where you were saying the peak comes off because he was crashing. He's no longer crashing. Yeah, but that was only two weeks ago that he was crashed in Mantua. Two weeks. Yeah, but he still managed to to ride consistent since then and salvage that. So it's like it's not like before where he was having big crashes, was it? I need to see more still. I know he can win. I know he's fast enough to win. I know all of that. Yeah. He has been so inconsistent over the last two years that I just need to see a month of this. Yeah. I need to see a month of him in the top two. Interestingly. But, yes. I had a conversation the weekend with Roger Harvey. Oh, God. Uh, who's head of HRC and um, Giacomo Garibaldi. They both agreed that it was probably my motivational speech on the podcast show, which has enabled Tim to uh, turn it around. Um, what you'll find is that people agree with when someone says something ridiculous. People agree with it to get that person to go away as fast as possible. Well, just a bit of insight. I mean, you have your way, I have mine. So I'm just saying that they seem to take it on board and they agreed. Another thing to think about is uh, this is the first time guys has swept two GPs in a row since uh, March 2017. Wow. Uh, Argentina and Mexico, which are two races that I always reference. Whenever I talk about how fast guys can be, those are the races I go back to because unbelievable those races. Is he faster than that now? I think I, he is. I don't think so. I no, think you don't. Is. You weren't in Argentina or Mexico that year. I was there in the spirit. Thing, the things I saw. I'm sure you did. <laughs> Are we talking about on the racetrack or the, the local uh, shopping centres? I did see some stuff away from the track. Okay. One day we need to do a podcast about stuff like that. Like okay. travel stuff and that. Well, it could be this one. No, okay. I'm, what I'm saying is, okay, yeah, guys is amazing right now on another level. Yeah. What I saw in Argentina or Mexico in 2017 was... Um, but I don't know if anyone... I want to see that 2017 Geyser go up against the 2018 Hurlings. Because right. that is... Those are two levels that I don't know if they can be passed. I don't think Geyser's unbeatable. Why not? Because I, st- I don't think... I think Crowley can quite easily still beat him. I don't, think, I don't think Crowley's looking at his pace and going, how the hell am I meant to do that? What, so you think he's playing it safe? No, no, no. Certain weekends he won't be able to. St. Jean has never been a good track for him. Okay. That maybe that's a bit strong. It's not been one of his most successful places. Okay, so looking forward to Russia. Russia should be a Tim track. Okay. Hard pack. Yeah, Latvia. Crowley. Really? Uh, yeah. Okay. Sand? Yeah. Crowley's quite good in the sand. It's not yeah. deep sand, but yeah. Crowley's quite good there. And guys has had a few uh, hard hits. So okay, Tushin Tower. So that, okay, I said it um, after Trentino. I said Mantova wasn't really a test for me because we know how good guys can be there. Mm-hmm. Nah, that went well. Portugal would be the test for me. Because that isn't necessarily a track that he's killed it at in uh, recent years. I'm now looking ahead again. Yep. Kegums is the next test point of interest for me. Tushin Tower? I think they can both be good at Tushin Top. Okay. It's again hard pack. But this is actually, now that I think about it, this is something to think. So, Geyser's strong point is hard pack versus sand, correct? Yeah. Crowley's strong point is sand versus hard pack, correct? Yeah. There are only two sand races left. Assen's not on MXGP round anymore, so you lose in one of the deep ones. You've got Lommel. Yep. You've got Latvia, which questionable whether it's, you can even put it under as a sand race because it's kind of in between. Yeah. Where else? Nowhere. Okay. Unless the new Indonesia ends up being sand, which it won't be. And okay. unless China ends up being sand, which it won't be. Although I have heard, I did hear back in the day, 
but the Chinese round was going to be at a beach. Really? I can't remember if I heard that about Shanghai or Hong Kong. I think it was Shanghai I heard that about. Maybe not on a beach, but like directly next to it. So maybe it could be Sandy. Okay. But either way, that's free. Yeah. So if I'm Geyser, I'm almost looking at this like to be 10 points down at this point in the season is a good thing. Yeah. Because my strong points are coming. Interesting insight I feel, there. I feel, like, I feel like you can't keep up right there. <laughs> no, I'm just processing. Just processing. I just feel like you can't keep up. <laughs> Do you want me to slow it down for no, you? No, no, that's cool. Do One, you want this show to go to more of a Tim Geyser road well at the weekend? Yes, yes, no. he did. No, I agree. I agree with you. Moving on to Arnold Tonus. It was great to see, obviously, him on the podium last week after everything he's been through. But to back it up again with a second overall. I'll fact for you. Okay. <laughs> wow, you spend too much time on the toilet. Um, <laughs> so Tonus has had uh, four third places in a row. Yep. Yep. Uh, that's 80 points in four motos. Is that more than the guess whole when, of last year? Guess when the last time... Yeah, well, yes, but... <laughs> guess when the last time he strung together four motos for amassed 80 points or more was? I had no idea. June 2014 in MX2. Wow. When he went 2-2-2-4 at uh, St. Jean, funnily enough, and Majora. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Just a little... Uh, little stat Fun there. little fact for you. Yeah. Then. Have you been out much lately? Or? I'm just merely pointing out that he is faster now than he was in his rookie season, which I think some people could question because he was good that year. Yeah. Although he, I think he did come close. Go back, to my, go back to my stats here. Yeah, in 2017 when he got that podium in Trentino, the week before that was Mexico. 2017 Mexico is coming up a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he went 6-4-2-7 across those races, which was 69 points. And before this little run here, that was his best 450 four-motor streak. So... Have you spoke to Tonus much? Uh, yeah, at the weekend. Okay. So yeah. you listened to my podcast, but you only listened to the intro and didn't listen to the rider interview. No, because I, if, I, <laughs> if I listen to everything, I can't ask you the questions okay. on the podcast show. Fair enough. So, um, and the people who may have missed the podcast, we, we have the same conversation <laughs> no, every yeah, week. I, I don't have a problem with you listening to, <laughs> not listening to the podcast, but you listened to my introduction. And then as soon as you heard Caroli's voice, you were like, nah, nah. Well, no, picture this on, on the plane. I think you were on one side of the plane, I was on the other. At that point, I was crying with laughter at your intro so much, I couldn't concentrate for the rest of the flight because it sounded like someone had died. Not that you'd missed a podcast show, that someone literally had died. My interview with Tommy Sell had died. I, I just think maybe, maybe like next week's podcast show, if you're going to do a little intro, maybe make it a little bit more upbeat. Just, it I'm was just 4 a.m. If I'd gone crazy, like, hey, 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 here we are. It's Lewis. It's podcasts. Like everyone, everyone, that would be fine. <laughs> no, but I would have woken you up and everyone else. No, you wouldn't. We were, we were dead to the And world. that was a bit too 80s game show. <laughs> yeah, but going on suicide watch is, is, is not a cool thing. I just need people to know how much it means to me. Okay. All right. Well, so let's go back to Arno. What, um, what, what did Arno say? Not a lot, to be honest. I was quite disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> so don't bother. If, so, so basically, if you haven't listened to the podcast, don't bother. Yeah, well done. Um, he okay. said he was thankful to Yamaha, his team, and his family about 17 times. So we've got that on lock. Like, well aware of that by now. Yeah, he's, um, he's appreciative of all the support of what's been given to him, given it's been a really rough couple of years. I don't think we can forget. Arno could have quite easily not been in a paddock this year. If Wilbur hadn't re-signed him for 2019, I wouldn't, there was not, would not have been one ounce of me that would have gone, that's a dick move. Yeah. I would have gone, you know what? I can, get, I can see that. Because they could, like, well, I think we said it recently, they could have had Max... They could have had Coldenoff. They were talking to Coldenoff in June last year. But they re-signed Tonus, which was a gamble by all accounts. And amazingly, and to my surprise, it's actually paying off. But is this now a, a test? Is it Obviously, it's a testament to Wilvo and Louis for kind of, you know, persevering, seeing, you know, he, he's obviously seen in Tonus what we're all starting to see 
now, as in we are, as in the fans he's delivering. You know, this could be said for a lot of writers that when they, you know, they just have a bad time. Sometimes they just need that that support, that network around them. And it does come good. It's, I mean, there's been lots of incidents over the last couple of years where teams have got rid of riders and then the riders have come back to to kind of bite them in the ass. You know, it, it's a testament to Louis, I guess, and Wilvo for for actually persevering. And, and you know, it's great to see him uh, delivering with two back-to-back podiums. Oh, yeah, here, here. Hmm. That was a nice speech. Well, no, I'm just saying, it's, 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 it's a good, good story. And he's actually, I've been watching this little battle all season, he's jumped up to seventh in the standings now, which means he's one position behind Sewer. If he passes Sewer, then Wilvo are ahead of both Monster Energy Yamaha factory racing riders. Wow. Which is a statement. Yeah. Because over the last two years, I think in total, I've got it written down somewhere, but I think roughly in total, Wilvo had beaten the factory riders in seven of the 40 motos or whatever. Wow. Well, okay, actually, so it's seven it. of that 80 motos or something. That's a huge turnaround. So for them to be consistently outperforming the factory team this year is huge. And yep. watch this space. That's yeah. all I'm going to say. Just watch this space. Do you think he... What am I talking about? You'll find out soon. Watch this space. Well, oh, so we're... T- oh, you're... Okay, so you're thinking about Silly Season. No, I don't know what I'm thinking about. You, did hear, some, you did hear some good stuff about Silly Season though, didn't you? I can't really remember. <laughs> so you, you, you potentially heard what could happen to, to Yamaha, what riders they could have and stuff like that. Obviously, nothing's confirmed, so we can't say too much. But it does look super positive. It looks good. Watch this space. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, can you see um, Tonus carrying on this form? Uh, no. Really? I can't see him being a consistent podium guy the rest of the season. Hurlings is coming back and February is going to be above him soon. Okay. Like I've, said it, I've said it since the start of the season. All of those riders, their window's closing because the podium's going to be a Hurlings, Caroli, um, guys, a lockout soon enough and Fevra will be next in line to break in there. Okay, so you don't see him sort of following up with another top Although, five to be fair, in Russia? Oh yeah, top five, potentially. I think he won a qualifying race there in 2017 as well. I guess you can't rule out the fact that he was not that far off of Geyser in France. Well, the performance is the weekend. It wasn't just a case of just racking in uh, another consistent performance. He wasn't that far off Crowley. Eh? The weekend. Crowley got 17th. I'm uh, sorry, in the first race of um, the weekend. Oh, yeah. But even, even so, I thought that was actually less impressive than the second because Crowley was struggling. I would have actually, based on qualifying, time practice, free practice, I would have expected Tonus to beat him in that first race, being okay. so close. Okay. Second race, where he was pushing Fevra for quite a while and all of that, that yeah. dynamic, that was more impressive to me. Okay. And also, we can't rule out the experience that he's had leading races and all of that over the uh, last week or so. That's going to be invaluable moving forward. Um, what of his teammate? And we mentioned him in earlier in well, the show. I'm glad you bring that up because I've got a stat here. Okay, of course you do. Gauthier's having his best season in a, in a while. True? Of course. What do you think? Yeah, true. Wrong. Okay. Let me just, conf- let me just uh, refer to my stat book here. At this point, 2019, we're seven rounds. This this stat, I'm mind blown a little bit. Okay. Uh, Seven rounds in, uh, 14 motos. uh, He's got 218 points to his name. Respectable. Yep. That's a decent amount. Okay. 2018, seven rounds in, 14 motos. Guess how many points he had? uh, 190. 218. Exactly the same as he's got after seven rounds this year. Okay. How weird is that? I know. And you, everyone would bet the bloody farm on the fact that he would uh, outscore himself through seven rounds this year compared to the beginning of last year. Now, going back even further, 2017, he had 
220 points. So only two point difference. So for the last three years, he's been basically bang on done his seven rounds. Uh, once it's all averaged out, have been this is what to expect. Yeah, uh, 2016, you can't factor him because he was injured. Uh, that was year he did vertebrae, I think, his last year on Honda. And 2015 was the last year he was significantly better because he had 237 points after seven rounds. But also, that was 2015, and you've got to think he went 1-1 at Balkanswar that year. Okay. So, really, factoring a 1-1, you'd think he'd be higher up than that. So, where we've... I've kind of thought he's been performing really, really well this year. I haven't been there, no. Okay. So, well... Maybe you should take a look at some stats sometime. Mind blown. Can't argue with data. No. I'm interested to know how the dynamic's going to progress over at Will, though. Because uh, Tonus and Paulian are like best mates. Okay. Close to that. Yeah. Have been for years. And after Tonus's podium in Portugal, Gautier was there to hug him and high five him and look just as happy as Tonus. But he got it done and amazing. Now he's done it twice in a row. Tonus went second overall, something Paulin hasn't even managed to do this season and is beginning to match him a little bit. How does that change? Because you know, as great friends as they are and everything, Gautier does not think that Arno would be beating him. I would bet my life on that. True. Gautier had a bad weekend. Which is weird because he looked so good in the qualifying race. He did. But yeah. I think you were harping on that more than me because he was matching Karoli coming through the field. Yep. But Karoli did crash again. Yeah. So maybe we were just skewed a little bit. Yeah. I mean, there's, at the end of the day, there's nothing that, that shows there's a decline or anything else. Oh, I'm not talking he, about no, a no, 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 no. But yeah, there's nothing to say that he's not going to bounce back. And I still believe that he will pick up a win by the end of the year. I'm struggling to even think of the last time that he had like a consistent French GP. Because um, last year, I think he was third overall. I think he went like 6-2 or something. And I remember the first race, it was a bit like, what's going on? Obviously, he rebounded in the second one. But I don't know. I wonder if there's a bit of a mental block there or expectation that's doing something for him at the French GP. It's got to be pressure. Oh, yeah, I mean, of it was really interesting uh, every time a French rider came around, whether it was Vial or basically any French rider, the crowd were insane. Well, that's actually another interesting point because I said to Fevre after the race, Fevre, by the way, which was a great interview. Okay. He's, I don't really know him that well. I don't think he's particularly pumped to do interviews all the time. No. But he did one. Yeah. And I was happy with that. And it was actually really good. And okay. I, I said to him, like, okay, you love the French GP, you love the fans, it's amazing, all of that. Is there a part of you that wishes that it wasn't this weekend though because he's not at 100% yet? And you can guarantee there were fans going up to him saying like, oh, 1-1 this weekend. Like, this is your time. This is your moment. Like, come on, let's do it. And he was probably like, no, no you don't understand. Like, Yeah. And what did he say to that? He said he agreed. Okay. He said fans are great, but sometimes maybe they don't understand everything. And there were a few people who were going up to him and saying like, oh, yeah, podium this weekend. And he had to be like, eh, yeah, we'll see. Still building. Yeah. But in the end, he actually was on the podium. And I, to be honest... He impressed me. I wasn't as high on the Fevre hype after Argentina as a lot of people. I may be getting there. I may be moving. But you did, uh, one thing you did say, actually, I didn't listen to the podcast show, but you did say was that, uh, was quite a statement. I think you posted it on social media was the fact that he felt that the speed hadn't changed that much. Yeah, he was expecting to come back from his injury and see that Crowley and Geyser had taken it to another level since Argentina. Yeah. In reality, he came back and was like, oh, this is actually, this could be manageable for me, give yeah. it a couple of weeks. I could run at this. Which is really interesting and yeah. quite bold because you'd never expect Yeah, someone's, that. yeah, and exactly, someone to, to actually, 
you know, say it out loud. They might think it, but to actually say it out loud on interviews, it's interesting. Yeah, it was well. a, like I say, it was a great interview. He was actually quite good. And actually, Feather's going to come up a lot over the next few months because he is a big, big, big player in Silly Season. Yeah. His contract's up. Uh, he signed a massive deal with Yamaha at St. John three years ago. It was announced. Yeah. And just a quick... I don't know if I've gone over this on a podcast show, but it's interesting to me. So I'll do a quick little roundup. Okay, do it. So uh, 2016, he was reigning champion, killed it at the beginning of uh, 2016, winning GPs, beating everyone straight up. Looked like he was going to be world champion for years to come. Uh, Yamaha, Husqvarna, and Honda, I think, were all chasing him because his contract expired with Yamaha at the end of 2016. He re-signed a three-year deal with Yamaha. Three-year deals are quite rare. You know it was for a lot of money because other people were going for him. Yep. Then... He won that weekend in St. John, proving like Yamaha were probably like, brilliant. This is exactly what we were re-signing for. Then the next round at Matley was when he knocked himself out after tagging Townley's rear wheel. And since then, he's won. Well, since then, he hasn't won an overall. He's won one moto, I think. And he's been injured a ton. So he's been seeing through this massive contract. And now it's up. You would presume he'll take a pay cut somewhere. And although... But will he? Because at the end of the day, he has got the potential. Yeah, and he's still proven. So why would you need to take a pay cut? But I'm just, in my mind, I'm thinking that when he got re-signed by Yamaha in 2016, he must have, they must have chucked the bloody checkbook at him. The only reason I think that is because of how, like, I remember my feelings towards him at that point in the season. And even I was like, wow, we've got a five-time world champion on our hands. Because at that point, you've got to remember as well, um, that was when Caroli was regressing a little bit. So everyone did think it was this new era. And we were looking at the guys like Fever and Geyser as the future of the sport, which they still are, but it's obviously gone backwards a little bit. One thing which um, I definitely would like to see is, is you know, it's, it's taken Fever a long time to come back from that. You know, he took, I think it was a concussion, wasn't it? And it, it wasn't just that one. It was, a, it was a couple of concussions in a row, I think. I think there was a couple yeah, of times. Yeah. So I, I, I think there needs to be more uh, research done into, you know, concussions within the sport. 100%. Because that, that, that definitely is a factor in, in how it's taken a lot of people time to come back. And we've seen this in, in NFL. We've seen this in, you know, there's, like, you know, there's a Will Smith film about it and everything else. So I'm not trying to get too serious, but I definitely think that more needs to be done on the concussion front. Um, uh, another point that I wanted to add about Fever before you move on. Okay. So his contract's up. Yeah. I've heard that there is another factory team who's kind of interested. So, it, like, I would have said it was going to be a given that he'd return to Yamaha. Yeah. Maybe not. I don't know much, just a rumor that's going around. Okay. So, so Kawasaki or Honda? Why those? I don't know. Husqvarna have a spot next year. Uh, Jazakonis is up. Uh, KTM are obviously full. Yep. Suzuki? No. <laughs> TM? TM's making a comeback? Yep. Well, they're supposed to. Yeah. Whether they live up to that is another thing. But yeah, I've just heard that... I don't okay. know if he'll move. So basically, who's firing a Kawasaki or Honda? I've just heard that maybe other teams are starting to slide some interest into that direction. Which right. makes sense, because you're not going to get Geyser, Crowley, or Hurlins, so... No. That's where you go next. Or Prado if he wins the uh, championship. Yeah, but he's not going to go anywhere either, is he? No. So, two Kawasaki's. Uh, do we need to mention Tassel? Because every time I bring up the word Tassel, you just say, well, we expect him there. So, so we just skim across that. I actually started to work out a stat that I didn't finish. But I was going through his career and seeing how many times he's finished fourth overall. Okay. Because Is it a lot? I haven't. Like I said, I didn't Did you finish lose it. Count? I didn't finish. Okay. It's, a long, it's quite a long career. I had to go through every single result. 
But yeah, this is just to sell. Although I will say he did look quite sparky. Sparky? Look quite sparky. What what sparky? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) What? He had a little bit of funk about him? Yeah, it just looked a little bit... I don't know. I I looked at him and I was like, "Mm, that looks a bit different. Is his contract up? Everyone seems to, everyone I talk to about this has a different thing. I need to find a press release. Okay. I, think, I think it is. Other people tell me it's not. No, nah, interesting. Okay. But, um, yeah. So. Okay. And Libra looked good. Yeah, Libra's been good the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Portugal, he was fifth in the first race, I think. Yeah. Like I've said all along, said it at the beginning of the season, think you um, poo-pooed me. He is a top 10 guy and a top five guy on occasion. He is much better than people give him credit for on a 450. Much better. Well, I, I kind of seen him around, this year I kind of seen him around the same sort of place as Monticelli. Sort of after the, the first couple of races of Monticelli, I expected those two to be around the same pace, the same, but it seems that Monticelli, either he's not got over his, was it a dislocated shoulder he had? Uh, yes. So either he's not got over the dislocation or he's just hit a bit of form issues. I'm kind of guessing with the injury because... Well, he did only dislocate his shoulder like two weeks ago, so... Yeah. Um... Should we cut him some slack? Yeah, I'm, I'm just, just saying it's just that he's definitely not been the same, same rider. Is it at that point, do you take a couple of weeks off? Are you ready for this? Okay. Monticelli. Yeah. <laughs> not sure. Okay. If he's been as good as everyone makes out. Okay. Because last week we said that he was good. No, no, no. I, I can, and this is, <laughs> this is the trap that I always say that people fall into, and I'm doing it myself now. I think that you should listen to the yeah. week before podcast show, before yeah. you come live. That's, before I come what? Before, before we go live for oh. the next one, I think you should listen to the previous no, one. What I'm saying is, okay, so this is a step up from last year. Yeah. There have been little flashes, but he's only 14th in the championship and only one point ahead of Tommy. And Tommy's had... Issue after issue after issue after issue. Thinking about how good Monticelli's season's been, maybe you'd expect him to be higher. Now, I'm not saying that means he isn't good because he's been really good at certain races. I'm just saying maybe his season as a whole hasn't been as amazing as we make out. And maybe everyone ignores the bad races a little bit. Maybe. Obviously, he's um, the double DNF at Mantova didn't help him. He's had a few. uh, He didn't score points in the second race. Don't actually know what happened to him. He hit the gate. Didn't look very pleased. Looked the gate, uh, hit the gate. I think it actually bounced up as he went over it, and I think he stalled it, and then just sat there and went, "Wait." Speaking of the gate, was there some controversy about it at the weekend? Uh, yeah, it's nothing new though. It no. always happens at so, some. So, what were people saying? Uh, it flinched basically, okay. or some gates dropped faster than others, or I mean, that's the one which I heard that, that there was particular gates which dropped. Yeah, um, quicker than others. Oh yeah, we've got fo- everyone has photos to prove it. Look at Jeremy Sewer's Instagram. Okay, there's a slow mo video of it. That's why Crowley hit the gate in the second race. Because the one next to him dropped, so he went, and his just... Just stayed there. Was in his own little world. Wow. No, it didn't stay there. It dropped two seconds later. Which is a long time. Yeah, in, it's a game of inches, Stars. So, game um, of inches, I like that. But um, Monticelli hasn't scored points in four motos this year. Okay. Tommy hasn't scored points in three, so maybe I'm wrong. Okay. Maybe I'm looking at these issues that Tommy's had, and actually it's Monticelli who's had uh, more... Okay, so um, seeing that you've brought him up, let's talk about him. Who? Tommy. Oh. oh. So, um, I'll the, tell you what. The boss team actually issued a statement. I'd want to talk to the boss over at the boss team. <laughs> <laughs> That's so bad. I don't even know why I'm laughing. Um, 
Just a fan of me, aren't you? So there are some crazy rumors the weekend going around. I think we can say them because it's yeah, not true. It's not true. Yeah. So so basically, we heard um, Sunday morning. Sunday morning that the, this was going to be the boss team's last GP. Yeah, that's what we heard. Yes, it uh, was wrong. Calm however, down. completely wrong. So um, yeah, that was that was interesting because we were like, oh, this is this is obviously not good. Yeah. Um, and this followed possibly the worst Saturday a team could have. Would that be? I'd say so. Yeah, I yep. think that would be. It. Basically, both bikes stopped on the same lap. Yeah, just started spluttering and losing power for no reason at all. Well, not for no reason at all. For no reason that they could detect. Yeah, but I think it's quite interesting how you know they, this is the second time that they've actually came out of a PR um, and basically said, "Yeah, it was a negative, but actually, you know, we're we're going to put this. You know, it showed that we finished the race and da 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 da." And then I think previously they kind of put out a. Was it right? They put out a PR which basically said Tommy just had a bad day, or yeah, the uh, boss team were a bit abrupt with their PRs. It's a yeah. bit a bit of an aggressive strategy. <laughs> no, Not fun. Portugal. It's fun. <laughs> uh, yeah. What was it? Was it? I can't remember where it was, but it was literally just. I think P- it was PR. Portugal. Yeah. No, the P- Portugal one. They did a like positive. Tommy is fast. Negative. We had a clutch issue. Like I think there was one where it was just. I think it was Volkenswart. It was a sentence that just said. Tommy wasn't good enough. The bike wasn't good enough. We're on to Trentino. Okay. What were we talking about? <laughs> so we were just talking about the boss team, um, you know, and talk about Tommy Searles. So let, let's talk about it from, from the whole weekend because it did play a big part in, you know, Bobashev um, is obviously returned to racing. His wrist is still hurting. Um, he's still got problems with it. And it's fair to say he may or may not have put on a little bit of timber. I don't know why you keep saying that. I think he did look bigger. You realize people wear body armors and different size body armors. Okay, so and... he's got bigger body armor. Okay. Um, so also looking at Tommy, he obviously was a bit disillusioned on Saturday because the bike, I think the bike cut out over jump, didn't it? I don't know about that, but every single session, the same thing happened. Okay. So when I don't think he was getting any clear indications from the team as to, to what the issue was or, or anything else. So basically we left on Saturday with everybody on a bit of a, a down low. Sunday morning we heard kind of, Possibly the team had just been, uh, you know, we're, we're going to call it a day. And then, lo and behold, Tommy goes out and finishes two races. And actually did quite well, considering everything. Considering like, everything. I mean, the confidence must have been at an all-time low in the bike, uh, which is not, any, you know, it's not anybody's fault. Sometimes these things happen. It's got to be playing in the back of your mind, hasn't it, when you ride in, especially at that speed, at that level, wondering if the bike is going to make it or not. Uh, just backtracking a little bit, I found a boss press release from Vulcansfar. Okay, let's let's listen to it. Uh, a weekend to forget. Looking forward to better results next weekend in Italy. You can take it in every possible way. The team has not been good enough to compete on the fast Dutch, Dutch track of Vulcansfar. Tommy was not smooth enough. The bike settings were not good enough. So the mix was not efficient to beat the best sand racers this weekend. Yeah. I think that was a great press release. Yeah, there's other fluff around it, but... Yeah, I, I think there's something to be said about this constant positiveness and whitewashing press releases as a person which, who go, writes, which go out. As a person who writes a lot of press releases for a lot of teams. Oh, here we go. Um, this, this is a Sunday night, guys. Yeah, that's why I'm up till 3.30. Because I, I worry sometimes, because people probably think, why, like, what's he doing? No well, one reads press releases. Yeah, but where's MX Vice stuff on a Sunday night? Well, as well as doing a podcast and uploading notes, I'm also writing four press releases and all of that. So that's oh. why. But as a, guy who writes, okay? as a guy who writes a lot of press releases, I don't think I would get away with writing that. No. So. No, well, we wouldn't because that's not what the team's asked for. But it is a breath of fresh air. 
well, it's old now, so I don't think it's worth talking about that much. No, no, I just was saying it because everyone was probably wondering how funny it is. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, thanks for finding that one. So, so Tommy, you recovered and you rode well. Uh, yeah, in a podcast that was lost forever. Rest what in did peace. he say? Uh, I can't really remember, but it's not a Kawasaki issue, what they had. Nothing to do with Kawasaki at all. So that leads you to believe it's an aftermarket part or something. Okay. And uh, I asked him at what point he gained his confidence back because obviously going out for warm-up on Sunday morning, I would have been shitting myself. Like, you'd just be going, when's this going to die? When's this going to die? When's this going to die? Yeah. And he did say there was a bit of that. I think he said he did like five laps in warm-up just trying to learn to trust the bike again and then eventually got to a point where he was like, okay. It seems to be okay. Yeah. So it sounds like he was feeling it for the motos, but he was starting from 37th, so. I mean, this is not a tell great things about Tommy show, but, and it's not a British thing or anything else, but you have to, you've got to admire, I guess, the um, professionalism and the confidence he does have with the Kawasaki because he did push it. And, and, and I did actually say to him the weekend was, he, he looked more aggressive. Whether he was, you know, he got peed off with the whole thing, but he definitely reflected in his riding style. He looked way more aggressive on jumps, jumping down hills, um, where before he had been a lot more kind of s- more smoother and more conservative, I guess. But he was, well, maybe he's not, but maybe he's, he was even more aggressive, which made it stand out. I feel like I have nothing to add because your love for Tommy is a bit much. Really? I think so. Just a case of he's watching... He's not the only rider who's been professional in the paddock. I'm not saying he has. Okay, just... All I'm just saying is the weekend, it, you know, I'm not, it, and it's not a blow smoke up Tommy's ass podcast show. You'll all do I'm, that later. <laughs> all I'm saying... <laughs> you're such a... Honestly, dick. The thing is, is with, um, you know, with his riding style, I just seen that he, he seemed to be a lot more aggressive the weekend. Yes. But then I think we've seen that all season. There has been little, little bits. Okay. of uh, flashes and stuff. And that's why we've said that once this whole boss situation works itself out and he has a solid package, he can achieve a lot of things. Like, I don't think it's anything new. I think maybe, in, in a way, because last week we read out all of the Facebook comments about him. Yeah. I think, in a way, the thing that happened on Saturday with the bike was the best thing that could have happened to him. Because that was the eye-opener to everyone that went, oh, hang on, it's not Tommy. Because suddenly, so like I said last week, there was a lot of negativity about him on Facebook and stuff. Suddenly, all it's, it's all positive. Everyone's saying, oh, just imagine what he'll be able to do on a bike that isn't stopping constantly. Like, oh, imagine this, imagine that. He needs a good ride, all of that. So in a way, it's kind of, I feel like it worked out a bit in his favor. Yeah. And like you say, that comes down a bit to the way he pushed on when the cards were stacked against him. But so did Bob Schiff. Exactly the same boat. Uh, I'm going to lead you up the path now because the next person I'm going to mention, um, because he does say that you do shit talk him, uh, is Jazakonis. Obviously, we've seen some, he's been blisteringly fast, especially in Valkenfahrt this year. Um, but he doesn't seem to be, what, what is it? Is it Gates killing him? Uh, we said this last week. He just, he said that it starts at the issue and he needs to work on that and everything. Yeah, starts have been killing him. He hasn't actually been in a position to do well. So, what are you going to do? Okay. That's basically what I put it down to. He'll be back up there. Latvia. Latvia. I look for him to be back in the podium mix. Okay. I don't know if Russia will go much better for him, but... Well, uh, on that note, we're going to wrap up uh, for a little break. And um, we may or may not come back live. We'll uh, have a little discussion after. But uh, just keep a lookout on the uh, Facebook page if we are. YMX5 For everything in the world of motocross, head to mxvice.com, at Motocross Vice on Twitter... 
and search MX Vice on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. All content is now available in Spanish and Italian. BMX Vice Show. Welcome back. It's uh, not live anymore. So uh, we ran our uh, Facebook test, which was uh, really fun. If, for those that caught it, probably caught us for about five minutes after swearing and talking to each other as we were trying to stop it from being live, which was uh, always good fun. Struggle with social media, don't you? Uh, we do. We do struggle. Old age. Bit. Back yeah. when you were a boy. Yeah, we just had, uh, you know, uh, jumpers for goalposts, mate. Yep. Yeah, we didn't have this thing called the internet. None of the Facebook or anything like that. A tweet or. When I started on social media, you were just an idea in, in your dad's pants. <laughs> <laughs> right, so let's talk about MXGP because I know that you want to talk about two riders. Well, there's one question I've got. Okay. Just, a, just one thing. Well, I think we're done with MXGP. We've t- kind of talked about everything I wanted to talk about except for this one question. Yeah. But burned a hole in my brain. Okay. Um, Strybos went 18-10 at the weekend. Yeah. Leoc went 10-18. Both riders who were very, very, very late in their careers probably shouldn't be racing against normal law. Okay. Leoc, specifically, I'm talking about, yeah. is consistently outperforming a lot of riders. I had the same thought process. Do you, not about how old, but I had the f- same thought process. Wait, do you know what uh, I'm going to say? It, no, I was oh. just thinking in pit lane the weekend that every time I look in the freaking top 10, Leoc just seems to be appearing. But my thought process, does it even enter a team's radar as a signing? Does it even pop up? Or is it just too old? I, I, I don't because know why it if should. You look at, because if you look at what he's doing, what they're, maybe not Strybos because he's just come back, but if you look at what Leoc's done this year, why can't he be considered as a signing along with like the people outside the top 10? Because he's no different. No. All, all of those riders outside of the top 10, he's really no different. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine a team with um, Leoc and Kulas on? Kulas? Yeah. I'm not saying that he's old, but you know, you've got two riders here, different subject, but you've got Kulas, who's in the British Championship at the moment, who's done some GPs and was performing very, very well at GPs this year. And then you've got Leoc, who, who just, keep, I don't know how he does it. I think the answer to the question's clear, though, because if it hadn't been for JWR Yamaha, Stravos would have been out of support this year. Leoc's got his own thing going on, so clearly no. Clearly it's not a consideration. No. And actually, we know that. Anyway, because from three teams, I think we spoke to at the weekend, all of them said next year, we just want young riders. That is a co- every, I don't think I've heard, I can't think of a team that hasn't said something along those lines. Young riders, we just want young riders. I, I, I spoke to a couple of teams as well. And a couple of teams were kind of like, they're, they're looking for these young riders to come through a little bit raw. Um, and riders what have not had like the whole, how do I put this politely? But, you know, they've got an engine tester, they've got a goggle cleaner, they've got a helmet someone to clean a helmet they're basically i think a lot of teams in the next couple of years are going to be looking to see how they can do this more cost effectively and having so many staff on the payroll is one thing because not only having the staff on the payroll they then have to ship the staff to each gp which means more flags more blah 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 and so on you've got to start thinking that these young guys which are coming through are probably not used to having you know, all these types of people around there. So they could actually, most teams can get away with having these young riders which are coming through, which just go out there, get on and, you know, just get on and do it. What do you think, this? Yeah, I think, well, I just think it's, I don't think it's ever going to happen, but I don't see why Leo shouldn't even pop up on the radar. But then also, if I was a team manager, I wouldn't consider him because yeah. I would want the next big thing or someone who I can mould or someone who's more marketable. So, yeah. And a tip of the visor to uh, Leo because, um, Sunday was his 250th GP. Wow. And what did he come up with? What results? Eight, was it 18-10? 10-18. Uh, 
So it just shows you can still ride in the top 10. Yep. After 250 GPs. Yep. Awesome. Fair play. Yeah. I wonder when he's going to retire. And when he retires, I feel like he'll just go quietly. I feel like it, it won't even be announced. No one will even notice. He'll just disappear. Yeah. For those that probably don't know, I'm doing a little bit for JWR this year with social media and little bits and pieces. So I'm under the awning quite a lot. And I want to kind of, actually on that, that young rider uh, philosophy, I want to put a, a little like nod out to, um, to Anton Gull. I mean, that kid, I've been super impressed with him because I've not, I, d- I didn't know him. I didn't know him through his MX2 career. I didn't really have an interview or chat or, and got to know him, you know, this year just by being around the awning and, and do, you know, photographs and videos and stuff like that. And never moans. He's really self-critical as well. I don't think I've heard him blame the bike once this year. He's just been, uh, like, interestingly, I caught him on video at the weekend and he was just so pissed off with himself because he just said, and I don't, were you, you know, on Saturday's podcast, he basically said, oh, it's like I forgot to ride in the first 10 oh, minutes. Right, yeah, yeah. And then suddenly I remembered what I was supposed to be doing there and then the intensity came. And he is very self-critical and he just gets on with it. He's got his dad mechanic in for him. Um, this year as well. I've just been super impressed with just his attitude, the way he conducts himself. I think he's going to be, if he stays with JWR, then that's, you know, a great signing for JWR. But he's only 21. He's got massive potential. Big kid, uh, super positive mentality, and just get shit done. Leok and Strybos are only 33. Wow. So that's not even really, it's realistic that Leok could go for another four or five years. Yeah. Yeah, and it's no not reason. even that old. It's the same age as Crowley. But there's no reason why Strybos can't go. I mean, that, that's the cr- crazy thing. So if they're the same age as Crowley, and people are just saying, well, Crowley's still got, you know, And we're, years, and we're giving Leoc and Strybos a pat on the back for a top 10 for doing it for the old guys when Crowley's just... Either we're giving Leoc and, Leoc and Strybos too much credit, or we're not giving Crowley enough credit. One of those. Yeah, true. But again, you were out in America when Strybos was out there at the start of the year, and you said he looked really, really good. Oh, yeah. But then I guess... Obviously, the injury is, is, you know, played a massive part in this. I just wonder if he's ever going to go away, to be honest. I haven't actually spoken to him this year, but I do wonder if that elbow is just screwed for life. Mm, Maybe. Maybe it's a case of just how you work with it. Yeah. Okay. So that was the two riders you want to talk about. So I know another thing which we're really excited about, and usually we talk about MX Manager at the end of the show. However, I think this definitely needs to be uh, talked about now. So take it away, Lewis. So I had a meeting at the weekend. Well done. Because James was too busy trying to do my job, so I had to do his. Someone's um, got to. Yeah. Uh, so if you don't know, Wilvo, Yamaha, MXGP, Monster Is this while you were up to half three in the morning because you had to do my job and you had first-hand experience of what I put into a weekend? No. Okay. All you put into a weekend is plenty of coffee machines. Um, Someone's got to drink the coffee. So Monster Energy, Wilvo, Yamaha, MXGP have a league on MX Manager. That, team. that is being kicked up a gear a little bit because there are now prizes. Okay. So every other round from Latvia on, certain rounds this year, a lot of them, there will be prizes for the winners of each individual round of the Wheelvo League. Meetings sound like it so, went really well when you... <laughs> so shirts, gloves, goggles, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then the grand prize... Can you win a pair of Paul Lance pants? Potentially. Try saying that after the, three beers. The grand prize, if you win the Wheelvo... Monster Energy, Wilbo, Yamaha, MXGP League, you and one other person can go on a tour of their workshop, which is unbelievable. And there are also other massive prizes for the grand prize, which just need to be confirmed, but are probably going to happen. But um, yeah, they could also spice things up a little bit. 
So all you've got, you can still, if you join the league now, your points will be carried over. So you don't have to worry about any of that. Just go in to the league section of MX Manager, click the Will League, there's a blue button that says join, and then you're automatically in there, your points get carried over, and you could win some bloody amazing stuff. But this is a, so a per round basis. So it's going to be who scores the most points that week to win the prize. It's not a case yeah, of... Pri- prize, so, prizes like shirts and gloves and stuff. Okay, so if you have a very, very good uh, week in um, MXGP, yep. then um, you could be in... Uh, I, I do know there's a signed helmet. Potentially. Not confirmed yet, but it's close to being confirmed. I think I know. Okay. Okay, I, I'm going to be in it to win it that week. And, and we're uh, like, no, that grand prize. If that comes through, that'll be grand prize. Oh, what, you can win a... Yeah, that's like the tour, grand prize. I've just explained this. Okay, what, and a helmet? Yeah, the grand prize for the winner of the league is going to be next level. So, and you may, if you don't, if you win overall, and you don't, if you win, if you join the Wilvo League and you win the overall game and the Wilvo League, you could potentially get a ton of signed stuff, a tour of a Wilvo workshop, 2,500 euros worth of 24 MEX vouchers, and much more. What a prize pack. What a great prize. So yeah, just if you care. Yeah. Know. No, I love it. Love it. So um, let, let's, if you're not in MX Manager and you haven't got a team yet, then you can just sign up. Yeah, yeah and you win prizes round by round. And I, I don't think it's that late to really get involved, to be honest. Well, it's not, because if there's round by round prizes, surely oh, yeah, you but can even, just win. Even for, for the overall, I think you can still make a bit of a move. Yeah. Well, it's only 1,000 points so far, isn't it? It's 1,000 points? Uh, even less than that. Is it? Yeah. So... Wow, well, I'm definitely making a comeback. I had a little wobbled weekend. I was 11th, so... But it was a last-minute team decision. I literally was 10 minutes before uh, the gate stopped, I think. I killed my team. My, I'm, I'm on my way. I don't think we really want to talk about your team this week, given your... Uh... 11th at Fra- in France and 64th overall. Boom. Yeah. Uh, this, this is, is on the back of we my made it. fulfilling <laughs> your uh, obligations for the bet. Okay. Moving on. I'm bored of that now. Okay, so let's talk about MX2. And we, well, sorry, you expected the Prado show to continue. Uh, uh, <laughs> hold on, hold on. I'm the one sorry? who on all of these podcasts has been saying Gertz will be the first person to beat Prado straight up. No, you haven't. Yeah, you I, I said it on Saturday. On Saturday, I said, as I've said previously, Gertz is going to be the first rider to beat Prado no, straight we up. Had, we've had no, eight no, podcasts, no, 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 no. Eight podcasts. And you said that on all these po- podcasts. Not all of them. Recently, since it's Santino, like you, no, honestly, it's right. like you make stuff up no, as you go every, along. Everyone on the Twitter, or, or on uh, everyone on the Twitter, that's what I was doing it your gay. I was doing it. Remember the joke I said? Did you just call me gay? No, I said I was doing it your way. Oh, everyone on the Twitter, as James would call it, or the tweeter. Yeah, every, I don't even need validating, but just tell James he's wrong because I have said this as recently as Saturday. Gertz would be the first rider to beat Prado straight up, and he was right. Unbelievable riding. Unbelievable I, display, everything. I could be not honest, believe it. Massive fan, huge Blown fan. away. Yeah. Blown away. Yeah. I mean, to, to actually chase Prado down and pass him. And there was a point like five laps from the end where he made a mistake. He lost eight tenths in a lap and he was, the gap went back up to three and a half. And right. I actually tweeted, it's over. It's great effort. Good to see. Yeah. Like, it was still great ride and can't ignore that. But that's the end of that. And he still ran him down and made it happen. Now, interestingly, Prado saw it a little bit differently. Okay. Yeah, I find this really interesting. Prado said that he wasn't, they were running the same pace. He wasn't necessarily catching him. And it was a mistake by Prado to let him pass. The mistake being Prado relaxed too much, which is an interesting way of looking at it. Okay. Because is that an element of 
complacency. Complacency. Hang on, Rob, mark this moment. Uh, This is eight podcasts in and we've just agreed on something. (laughs) But interestingly as well, so in the second race, Gertz was again making a run at Prado. Yep. In my opinion, he would have caught him, but he tipped over in a corner. I believe so as well, uh, from what I've seen. At that point, the gap went up to nine seconds. It was over. Two and a half seconds at the end. Yes, if you let me finish my story. I so, know, oh, I didn't want to. So, I was so excited. So Gertz was closing in by three seconds a lap over the last three laps. Prado started the last lap with a five-second lead, and as he came past the mechanics area on the final lap, the team had no pit board out. They were just hanging over the edge, telling Prado, like, pointing forward and saying, you have to keep racing. Like, you have, like, do not shut off. Do not wave to the fans. You have to get to the finish line as fast as possible. Because he was coming. Because he was coming. Just interesting. I'm interested to see what changes in Prado moving forward, if anything. I, I think... Now, this isn't negative on Prado. No, no, no. he's no, still no, the best all... rider. He's going to go 1-1 next weekend. He's going to go 1-1 the weekend after that. Like, nothing's... The bigger picture hasn't changed. No, but, but he's not just... been under this pressure. This is just a nice little and insight. And he's not been caught, has he? No, and this, is, this a, point. and this is a nice little insight into what actually is... Um... Yeah. Well, we've seen this in the last couple of Saturdays. We've talked about how he is a little bit more, what would we say, not as intense in his riding, um, in qualifying on the Saturday. But on the Sunday, he's just swept the board with a 1-1. However, this is the first time in a race that we've seen him actually get the whole shot, take the lead, go and then be caught and passed. It's, it is almost irrelevant in a way because, like I say, nothing's going to change in the bigger picture. So does this mean anything? No. But still, it's just nice to see a change and interesting how it came about because winning a race is one thing. It could have easily happened with Prado crashing in the first term, Prado tipping over, Prado getting held up by a bat marker. It really doesn't come much more straight up than how Gertz did it. Well, I kind of alluded to this in last week's podcast where... I watched the the 45-minute special on Red Bull and and Prado. And one of the significant things was they asked everybody, you know, can he get better? And everybody turned around and said no. But do you think Gertz can be better? Do you think Gertz is going to get better? No. So you think that he's reached his peak as well? Not, not, and that's, I'm not even saying that in a negative way. I feel like he's that good now. Okay. Maybe, I think, I don't think he can get better than the speed he showed at St. John. So where they are at the moment... It's the level. No, I, I, I think the speed that Gertz showed at St. John is his very, very best. I think the improvement for him now is rolling that out consistently. And getting the gates and everything else. Yeah. Okay. Now, did you see any... Uh, one one thing what, what's been letting Ben Watson down this year is, is, is getting out the gate. Did we see any improvement the weekend with, with obviously both of them finished in the top three um, in race two? So did we, did we see any improvement in the gate in this week from the Camillas? Uh, yeah, but I don't know if it's a. I don't know if that's a solution, or if obviously, like, if you have ten starts, you, odds are you're going to have one that's decent. Yeah, but, but it um, does help getting out of the gate. We de- oh, we yeah. definitely know this year the gate is one of the most important factors in MX2. Well, it is every year, but um, the second race, Ben's start was like unbelievable. Like I focused on him because he's the one who like is the biggest question mark out of the gate recently. <laughs> and the second he came off a metal and hit the dirt, I was like, oh my god, he's going to hole shot. Like it was that perfect like reaction time form shifting it looks i couldn't believe what a perfect start i was witnessing okay so hopefully that's a sign that things are getting better and he can um get consistent starts because was it was it a lot more positive on the ben watson bus this week as you were driving was a lot of people talking you know is it a lot more happier on the bus this week yeah but this is i don't think there's ever been a reason to worry like it's all been starts 
He crashed on the first lap in both races in Portugal. What are you going to do with that? Like, and if you look at it, his average starting position this season is 13th. What the hell are you going to do with that? Like, it's clearly that's where the problem. He started in the top five twice, the very first motor of the season and the most recent one. If I give you his starting positions throughout the year, this is at the end of lap one, so you always presume that he was a little further back than this, because yep. obviously you move forward on lap one. Okay. At 4, 9, 9, 9, 8, 6, 11, 9, 11, 16, 22, 27, 32, 2. Uh, because obviously he crashed in the first moto on the first lap in uh, St. John as well, and was way back. So dead last, it was unbelievable. But his comeback was actually ridiculously impressive. And not surprising, because even all Saturday, practice, qualifying races, speed was there. Like, it was really good. He was easily one of the fastest riders on the track, which, again, isn't anything new because we've seen it all along. Okay. So, yeah. So, hopefully, he can nail these starts consistently because then he'll be, um, like we saw in the second race, right in that mix. There was some expectations this weekend on the shoulders of uh, Mitchell Evans. Can I just go back to Gertz quickly? Yes. He's had seven moto podiums this season. Last year, he only had three. Is this what you wrote on the toilet? No. Seven moto podiums in total last year. Oh, three moto podiums in total last year. This year, he's already had seven. Wow. Kind of just a little nice little insight into his progress. Yeah, great progress. Mitchell Evans. It was the team's home GP. There was some expectation there. I spoke to, to Mitchell on the Saturday. We, we, we done, uh, sorry, on the Friday, we had a podcast, uh, which I think we're going to put on next week um, because we've got a show coming next week as well and we need some content. So we're going to put... Because it's just not stopping now. <laughs> <laughs> the bills on the bus are going. Do you think that affected him the weekend? No. No? What, what a stupid question. Just asking. What a terrible question. What, I wondered where you were going with that. Didn't think you were going to pluck something that bad out. Jesus Christ. Okay. So no. There was no expectation. He was really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> You're just agreeing with everything I say. I'm not agreeing. I'm asking the question. Um, and I'm glad you feel so strongly about it. No, he was really good. There was absolutely nothing wrong with it at all. Starts were bad. That was, I guess, a problem. He yep. spun off the grate both times. Yeah. First moto, he was way back. Not as far back as Ben, but way back. Came back to seventh. Yeah, perfectly fine. Uh, second race, I don't know where he started, but he quickly moved into the top five and into fourth behind the Gertz, Watson, Prado pack, who were early on in the race, Prado, Gertz, Watson were quite a way ahead of everyone else for whatever reason. Uh, Evans bridged that gap, caught up, was the fastest man on track for quite a few laps. And I'm talking like a second faster than anyone, seven tenths, eight tenths. He just kind of blew himself up a bit trying to pass Watson because he couldn't make anything stick. And at that point, lost a bit of the edge and went backwards a little bit and settled for fourth. But nothing at all that indicates to me that basically everything's good. Mitch wins a moto. We asked the question last week, Mitch wins a moto this year. Yeah. Especially after seeing um, Prado lose a moto at the weekend, Mitch wins one this year. Yeah, I agree. Um, and a great weekend for, for, for Livy Lancelot of Team 114 Motorsports with, um, I, I don't even need to look at the stats, but I'm guessing 16 points, Pichon. His performance the weekend, that's easily the best of his career. Oh, yeah. He more than doubled his entire season points from this season. And he looked good. Yeah, he looked really good. Give me credit. Have I not said this a lot this season? That Although the results aren't there, there seem to be little signs of life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. You agree that I was right? I agree that you were right, yeah. Thank you. I'll give you that one. And, and I have had a lot of people in the pits question why I say that. But I've seen these things because I watched the races. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like he's an oracle or anything. It's just... Not a what? A oracle? No, an oracle. What's that? An oracle? No, an oracle. Oh, an oracle. Yeah. Okay. God. This is what I've got to work with. Anyway, next. Um, 
What do you want to talk about? Sterry. Oh, okay. So I quite liked um, what Sterry had to say to me. Okay, tell me. Uh, he had a strategy on the start with the gates dropping at uneven times. Yeah. He put himself further back on the uh, metal grate so that when he saw the gate flinch, he went, but by the time he actually got to the gate, it was already down. Hence why he got such good starts. And he said he couldn't believe that other people weren't doing that. Very, very smart, I thought. Cool. I was impressed. Wow. Very that, smart. It takes a lot for you to be yeah, impressed. Very smart. I was yeah. very, very impressed. And actually, as a bit of advice that everyone can take. Well, there we go. Like club racing. Pretty sure every, no gates are even. Really? Chuck, no. Well, not in my experience. I reckon... How many times have you been to a club race and the gates have dropped at uneven times and all of that? I, I just like the string. You remember the string we yeah. used to get on a start? I like those. To tie a little bit of tape around the string so that you can see it more clearly when it moves? No, just go to the inside, to the middle. Oh, yeah, the middle as well. But then if you get a bit of like trackside tape, tie it in a knot around the rubber in yeah. front of you, then when it flinches, you can see the tape move out of your right live sight and that's how you get your start. That was a Lewis Phillips schoolboy trick. How many hole shots did you get there? In my career? Yeah. One. So do you think you should probably... Oh, no, I was just terrible. Okay, so you, so you just should react. Why are we talking about rubber band starts and... <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to know where you were going with this, with your, with your whole band. No, I'm just around. telling you because you brought it up. Okay. Rubber starts. Yeah, so uh, great that we have talking about Adam Sterry and then we go on to your starts. <laughs> no, so, I wasn't talking about my starts. We are just talking about were. rubber band starts. You were. We've just been talking about your starts. Anyway. And, and your great advice for one whole shot. On a rubber band start, and it's not relevant anymore. It's just randomly but, talking. Did your whole shot come on a rubber band no. start? No. So wait, uh, anyway, right. Yeah, and it's a career best finish. Yeah. Which surprised me. I, I, when you said the stat in the car on the way back, I was, I was really surprised because I thought he finished higher than this. So that's his highest overall in MX2. Yeah. In yeah. three years. In longer than that? No, no I think he, he moved years, up late, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, MX250, yeah. Great ride the weekend, very consistent. Interesting one on that. Okay. So he moved up from EMX 250 a year later than Ben Watson, and a year later than basically his year Age group. group. Yeah. But Jacoby came up at the same time as well. I, I don't know. He did. But, um, so yeah, he moved up a, lit- a year later. And I remember speaking to Steve Turner when he folded his team, and he said the one thing that he would do differently is put Adam up a year earlier. I wonder, fast forward five years, if the same thing will be said about Van Moosdijk. Ah. Uh. Because he's older than you'd think. I think he's 18, 19. I know, but the whole reason why, we found out the whole reason why, it, it was Kawasaki who oh, yeah. wanted him but I'm in talking, EMX 250. In five years, hindsight's a wonderful thing. In five years' time, yeah. when the bigger picture's unfolded and everything, I, I sneaky little suspicion that the same thing could be said. Well, again, it's interesting. You see the performance he put in last week in, in Portugal, yeah? And he was fast. Yep. Yeah? Yep. And then fast forward to the weekend. And I think he had a, t- not only did he have a terrible start, but I think he crashed in, I might be right, in, in race one. And what did he end up with? Like a 14th, 15th or something like that? 12th. 12th, yeah. Crazy. So how do you go from a performance like that the weekend before in MX2 to, he actually won the, the second race in EMX250 on Sunday. But it's just interesting. It's just interesting. Do you need to get up and out of the EMX250 as quick as possible? I think, so if you're a talent like that, and you've clearly got potential. No, not as quick as possible. Just, I don't know, I just kind of feel like... But the more you're racing against those... Like I said, at this time, no, maybe not. But hindsight's a wonderful thing. Yeah, well, so, it is, yeah. That's a bit of a crap question, to be honest. No, crap just, insight. That's actually a really, I thought that was a really good point. Well, it might have been a good point, but like you say, it's hindsight. It's like, 
Yeah, but I'm just wondering. Maybe I shouldn't have I'm done just, this podcast show. I'm just today. wondering if maybe. Maybe I'll regret pairing up with you on a podcast show. Maybe I could have been further forward in my TV career in three years' time. Who the hell would you do it with? I don't know. Rob? There'd be a lot of crickets. Sean? There'd be a lot of crickets. Sean might want to give up videos and do podcasts with me. I don't think anyone wants to work with you. Okay. Okay. Do you want to talk about any other riders from the weekend? Uh, Bass Fasson? Yeah, that was a great result. He's entered, he's entered the top 10 in points for the first time in a while. And uh, interesting. He has had, or did have, two, two seconds, please. Oh, God. He, <laughs> he has had now, oh, no, sorry. Earlier in the season, he had two top 10 moto finishes in a row. Those being the second moto at Vulcanswart and the first moto in Trentino. Just two in a row, and then the streak ended. In his career, he has never had more than two top 10 moto finishes in a row. Surprising, eh? Do you, do you actually ever go out? <laughs> surprising eh it's surprising yeah yeah you- like who would have thought and if you look back he had two top 10 finishes in a row in 2016 yeah yeah that would be his um, rookie year when he dabbled in MX2 a little bit yeah he had two top 10 finishes in a row on two separate occasions in 2017 none in a row last year and now two in a row again this year but has never gone further than that with top 10 consistency if there are any uh, females um, out there that want to take Lewis out for a drink at any point. I think it would just be really worthwhile um, to show him another side of uh, life other than stats and motocross. So if there is anybody out there, meet me, I don't know, a daughter or, um, I don't know, even a wife, don't like your wife, uh, anything really. It'd be great for Lewis to just um, maybe get some, some time away from his computer. And then you'll message me asking why I haven't been working and why this hasn't been updated and why this hasn't happened. And are you there, mate? Okay. Mate. Right. Uh, Tom Viao. Crash in the second race. Was done for from there on. But first race was all right. Kind of just a little bit slipped from where he was before the big break. That's what I was thinking. But that's not bad. I don't, think, I don't even think that's worth even discussing because... Is this just like a little, a little slump which he's just figuring stuff out? It's not like it's new. Everyone has a little slump, don't they? Okay. And more positive performance from Sinai. Uh, yeah, indeed. Um, Seems to be getting better. Still not training. Interesting. He said he struggled with the gate, so his starts were bad. Yep. So we had to move forward each time. But he's still not which training. Is different for him. Yep. Still not riding yep, you've midweek. Said that. You've said that. Still three not times. riding midweek. You've said that. <laughs> yep. Thank you. Yeah, but people probably aren't aware. <laughs> yeah, though. No, but you've just said it four times in a space because, of two minutes. Because you don't respond to I me. I said, I said, okay, yeah, and you went riding in, not riding in the week. <laughs> oh, you're such a dick. And interesting. He said he struggled because he hasn't had much time on tracks like that, being hard pack recently. A lot of riders said that. Okay. It's hard to find a track like St. John to test on or train on and stuff like that. It seemed to arise quite a bit. Just a, There's plenty of those tracks in France. I mean, Mitchell Evans has talked about 10 different tracks. Just, just an interesting point. I think Crowley said it as well. Hard to replicate those conditions. Really? In a race, yeah, but you've got to think how beaten up does that track get on a race situation. Okay. Jacoby? Yeah. Oh, and Jacoby, Jacoby and Watson got into it in time practice. I did see that. You know, I did see it with my eyes and, you know, I don't want to be that guy. But I don't really see what Ben Watson did oh, too I much thought you were gonna apart say from... I th- I don't, and I don't want to be like, he's English, I'm defending him because I'm English, blah, 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 blah. But he did know he was coming. He went out wide and it just seemed that Jacoby came around full gas around the corner and just literally too much and hit Ben. A little bit titchy, touchy. Yeah. And very aggressive. Very aggressive. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Just I don't he, know. he basically lost his shit. 
pressure, maybe put it down to, I don't know. But then the races didn't exactly go well, lots of crashes. Maybe he was just frustrated. Maybe uh, the weekend was, you know, that was just his way of exploding as in frustration because it didn't go too well. If you want to rattle it off after that, Renault had a bike issue in Moto1, uh, came forwards in the second race for a ninth. Which was a shame, he's looking good. He was looking good all weekend. Moreau crashed early on, on in the first moto and then couldn't get back into the points. But um, 10th in the second race was pretty solid. Uh, Chervelin keeps showing little bits of speed but keeps crashing and making mistakes. But there are little signs of life there which are quite um, promising. Uh, Dylan Walsh got landed on in a qualifying race on Saturday. That's he, the second time this season he's he been landed on. He is having no luck. Uh, he was beat up in the first race, so struggled, and then in the second race, the team put on a board or something and told him to um, pull out because he was too weak and whatever. Okay. But th- I believe there's potential there. I yeah. genuinely believe it. Just needs some luck. And we do think, well, he does think that he may have been overtraining recently. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you not know that? No. Oh, okay. Yeah, wow, so... what, we're two hours in and you've just brought your first bit of insight. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, so he's been overtraining lately. And he'd... and the other thing which I picked up the weekend is that he's on a training program with Gareth Swanepoel. Yeah, that's old news. Well, old news for you, but obviously uh, you didn't know about the, uh, the overtraining. So, so wrapping up MX2, I've got one question. Yep. Gertz was a new winner at the weekend. Yep. Name everyone else who will win a moto this season. Well, outside of Gertz. Well, you've already... Outside of Gertz, Prado, and Olsen, obviously. Well, you said Watson. We, also, said... we also didn't mention Olsen once. <laughs> Good job, though. Great work. Great work. Yeah, well, Olsen, yeah, Olsen's already won one anyway, so... No, I mean, in this whole conversation, we haven't even brought up the fact that Olsen was third overall. Okay. We, we just skipped right over him. Okay. But that's just Olsen's MO. Yeah. Um, he just did what Olsen does. Yeah. Consistent. And I would... And, once again, I'm justified in what I've said about Olsen because I would expect him to be now doing what Gertz is doing and pushing forward. And the answer to your question, uh, I, you Do you want said, me to go first? Well, you said Watson. Yeah, but I'm, I'll update your picks. You can change now. You've seen everything. We're seven rounds in. Who now do you believe will win across the next 11 rounds? One moto. All they have to do is win one moto. Do you want mine? Why have you not? Why are you backtracking on I Watson? I don't know. Then? I'm not. Watson and Evans. Jesus Christ. How, why is this so long-winded? God. Rob, look how aggressive he is. <laughs> I don't it's a know. Good job we're not live on Facebook. <laughs> I don't Fuck's know what you're sake. going at. You're, oh my god! I've asked you a question like five minutes now, and you just keep trying to. Jesus. I think that Ben Watson and Mitch Evans will win a moto this year. No one else will. So at the end of the year, so we'll you have don't five reckon that motos. Olsen's going to win? No, another he's moto. already won a moto. New winners. Who else is going to win a moto this season? Olsen, Gertz, and Prado have done it. Who else? Mitch Evans, Ben Watson. Your picks? What about Tom Bell? <laughs> Not on my not uh, not on my Darian radar for Sunny. this year. Not on my radar for this year. Oh, but that's sad because this is last year. I don't know. I think oh, it's a bit. It's, it's a dick question, isn't it? Because it's now you just a while. fucked it right up. No, but just what are your pick? What do you think? The ones what you don't. Okay. I think Vial wins one, and I think um, Sinai wins one. I think Mitch Evans listened to this podcast. I hope he's aware that um, James just shit on him. <laughs> no, I didn't. I'm on the Mitch Evans bandwagon. What, you don't think he's going to win a moto? Yeah, this year? I do think he's going to win. Just said that but you've already said him. You are allowed to say the same people. Well, I'll say those four then. I'm so confused. Oh, you're such a dick. I don't know why this is so difficult. Okay, for you. right. Okay. So I can't pick Olsen because he's already won one. I don't know you're why right? you're struggling so I go with, with <laughs> So Evans, Watson. I don't think what I don't know about Watson. Okay. What are we we need to see Watson get out of the gate. Uh, second race. I'm I know, I know. You need a replay. The way that you were leaping about in pit lane (laughs) when he was in second. So funny. Um, Um, Can you please answer the question? I wish I'd never asked it now. (laughs) Like, I don't know why this is such a hard for you. Vial, and Evans. Thank you for finally answering the question. No problem. I didn't realise there were so many rules to it. 
There wasn't. You tr- you started adding your own stipulations. Well, I said Olsen, and, and then yeah, because I said we've I'm had sure another we've had another first time winner this You've year. You've got short term memory. <laughs> I'm going to go back and listen to this because this is ridiculous. Okay. Anyway, that's MX2. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I said okay, we'll leave it. That's okay. MX2. Okay. Well, can we have an advert? We're going to have an advert. The MX5 show. This podcast is brought to you by Twenty Four MX. Europe's biggest online motocross store. There are hundreds of your favorite brands at discounted prices, so head over to 24MX.com to shop now. The MX Vice Show. Welcome back to the MX Vice Show podcast. A little break there. Lewis was going through some of the questions. Have you got some good ones this week? Uh, eight in total. Some new names, which we'd like to see. Oh, we love a new name. I'm trying to sift through them and not include all of them because. How many questions did we get this week? I about nine? Count. No, about 17. Ooh. Ooh, 17. Yeah. So eight of them I've chosen. Some of them I'll push off to next next week. But Okay, well, yeah, we are going to run a show next week. We're just figuring out when we're going to do it because uh, the weekend we are off uh, to something new. We're going to the Erzberg uh, Rodeo in Austria, which should be good fun, where we get to see uh, Nathan Watson, former GP rider. Oh, you like himself. Nathan, don't you? Nathan's a good guy. You actually, your love for Nathan is a bit strong. Not a bit strong. Um, oh, very strong? No, I, w- I would just say that I think he needs to be an MXGP. But there are no rocks and locks in MXGP. There isn't. I think he'd be quite happy about that. No, it'd be good. And, you know, Billy Bolt, Graham Jarvis, and Manny, our German friend, Fox athlete, uh, great guy. Went out for dinner with him. We'll oh, be, yeah. We'll be like rooting for him up. as well. We don't so, root for people. Oh, yeah, we've got to remain independent. Uh, I have. I don't know what you're doing over there. You just, you just do your I, own thing. To be honest, I just do whatever I want because, you know, what's the point of having rules? You can't break them. So I've actually come up with a really good idea uh, for next week as well. Um, don't spoil it. Okay. Don't spoil right. it. Okay, we're going to put a, a, a little section in next week and we're going to, you know, play around, have a chat about it and also invite others to, to, with their ideas as well. So that'd be pretty cool. But anyway, Lewis is looking at me with... Um, his moustache again. Okay, that makes no sense. I know. You're... I'm sat opposite you. What do you want me to do? Not look at you? I just feel like it, it just... It, I don't know what happens. Uh, Every time in the second half of this show, it appears. I've, I've got never got... known a lip grow so quickly. Do you want questions? Yeah. I've got questions. At jpaul underscore on cool. Instagram. Hi, jpaul. Said, I'm wondering if Pedro has made up his mind yet about his expectations. <laughs> I didn't even read that. I thought I said, I thought I said Prado when I copied and pasted it. <laughs> I'm wondering if Pedro has made up his mind yet about his expectations of Mitch Evans. An extre- as an extremely biased Aussie fan, I have him grouped in with Olsen, Jacoby, Gertz, battling for remaining podium spots behind Prado. If he can get his start styled in and avoid any more unfortunate situations, I think he can establish himself as a real threat. Fastest lap time in Moto2 at the weekend. Thoughts, Pedro? Well, that'd be you because you're Pedro. Yeah, I guess um, so. But I would just like to add that um, he's the real deal. I think I summed it up nicely when I said that uh, he's going to win a moto this year. Yeah. Consistent podium threat, all of the above, right in there with Olsen, Gertz, Watson, right there. So, yeah. We've got, uh, we've got a podcast coming up with Mitch Evans next week. You've actually already said that. I know, but it's in regards to this question, okay. where he actually gives over uh, a few more insights. And then we're going to do another podcast in a couple of months' time where he's going to talk. We're not going to talk about racing, but we're going to talk about behind the scenes and everything which goes on as a rider. And he's very, very open. He's, he's really cool, super grounded. And it's just really interesting. The fact that he has come over here from 
from Australia. When you look at somebody who's on a podium, you instantly think that they've they're just rolled, you know, they're getting sponsors thrown at them. They're, they've got, you know, loads of money and everything else. It's the opposite. He, that, that kid's working for every single bit. And, and to come here and, and do what he's doing is a, is a testament to the person he is. Trust me, he's doing it on the, the most minimal budget you could even think of. And him personally, that's not him, a slight of the team. No, no, him personally, as in he's trying to, to do everything he can, as in training, getting the right trainer and everything else. You know, that comes out of his, his money. Um, even things like paying his insurance, because as an, as an Aussie, he needs a, a worldwide insurance for traveling around. So, um, I mean, the insurance, what he's paying is, is crazy money. So when you start to understand everything, what he's putting himself through, and, and, and other riders, I think he, he's got a huge amount of hunger. Um, he, he has to, to, to want to come over and do what he's doing for, for what he's currently got. An interesting note is that uh, we talked about his contract situation for next year. I asked him about that on Sunday evening, and he said he's got a two-year deal with 114. So he'll be in MX2 next year. That's what he said. Okay, that's interesting. Because uh, I think it's one of those things that we need to, to watch for developments. Okay, nice. Cool. Next question from at Trotcast on Instagram. Uh, can you compare the careers and 2019 of Geyser and Roxon? Honda looks set for years to come. I only really have one thing to say about this. Okay. Uh, Honda have no choice, really, but to be set for years to come because I don't think they can get anyone better than Roxon and Geyser in the respective series. No. So that's kind of like they've rolled the dice. They've got their big young guys or were young at one point. Yeah. And they've kind of got to see that through now. But there isn't, I can't think of anyone they could get to. Um, better than them or represent the brand better i mean i always get told this but hrc are all about winning um races they're a racing team they don't really concern too much about the sponsors there um or attracting sponsors they're there to win and they've got two riders that can win however i think what they have got with those two riders are two model professionals who are very very good with media who are very good with with sponsors they really are the package so uh, where, where do you go from there? I don't know. Great answer. Brilliant work. At CR Dory on Twitter. Hi, Colin. Asks, if you could bring back any track, even if it no longer exists, to the GPs, which one would it be? I would choose the track in the Isle of Wight. Now, I'm a bit pissed off he said that because that is also my pick, so it just looks like I'm being boring. Okay. Maybe it's because I was young when it was around. Like, I was, what, nine at yeah. the Isle of Wight GP? So yeah. obviously I think it looks bigger and better and exciting, but I'd like to see that back. Okay, uh, there are a couple of tracks I'd like to see back. Uh, one is just because the amount of tra- traveling I do. Matchams? No. Oh. <laughs> uh, it would be really nice to just be 15 minutes away, which is Farley Castle. Oh. oh, you're one of those people. Not one of those people. I'm just saying because of traveling. Okay. It would actually Matchams be nice. is close enough, so you could have done that. Well, no, Matchams is further. That's yeah, I've no, got Winchester. It's only an hour drive. Yeah, but I'd rather go to Winchester okay. than Matchams. Um, anyway, and the other one would obviously be uh, Neymar. Neymar. <laughs> how do you pronounce, you pronounce Neymar. it? Neymar. Neymar. Everyone, everyone loves that good old track Neymar, don't they? Wow. Yeah. The things I've seen at Neymar over the years. Neymar. Whatever. I love Neymar. Fuck off, you <laughs> prick. I'm trying to think of another one other than Isle of Wight, but the Isle of Wight just sticks out in my mind. Sugo? I'm not really that fussed about Japan, but I feel like it'd yeah, be quite Japan, good to go back Japan there. Japan would be super cool. I'll tell you what I would quite like to have again. Charlotte. That was cool. Really? Yeah, that was really cool. Wasn't that just in a flat field, though? No, it was in a um, truck racing bowl 
type thing. It was real cool. And I think it was a success as well because there's a lot of fans there. Great racing. Oh, wow. Okay. Qatar. I love Qatar. Not so much for the track, but but for the event and the intrigue. Yeah, but I'm talking about the event and the intrigue and the place and the exoticness. Charlotte, Isle of Wight, Qatar. Qatar, exotic. Yeah. Are you on drugs? Why isn't it exotic? Different. It's exciting. It's It's not exotic. I would describe Mauritius as exotic or if how is Qatar exotic? I'm glad you devolved. You only want to go back to Qatar because it's got go karting. No. Yeah. And the mall. And you I like the mall. Um, I, I see. I had another one then, and you just completely shot it out. I, I agree. Oh, I was going to say Uda. I would have said Udavala, but that's obviously back this year. And that's coming back. But you like that because of go karting again. Uh, and it's quite a cool place. I quite like Sweden. Trying to think. Trying to think about my childhood. Right. Bell Peak. Talavera. I quite like one of those GPs to come back, either Bell Peak or Talavera. Yeah. I've never been to Bell Peak, but again, as a kid growing up, it always looked amazing. What, what about something like Unadilla in, in the US as a GP? Wow, you're really going back. Yeah. I'm just saying. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. Um, I feel like I've probably, we've probably spent too long listing off random tracks. But yeah. I, I want to keep thinking about this because I quite like this. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, another one, which a track which I really like, which I think could lend itself to a good GP, is Desert Martin. Yeah, no. Why don't you like no. Desert Martin? X. Why not? Not me. <laughs> You're a dick. I like Desert Mine. I think it's, it's a great track. It's, I said this to all of the riders last year when I interviewed them. It's like, everyone goes on about how great this is. Is it... Are we sure anymore? Like, it's quite narrow and... No, I think it's good. Narrow, like it. tight. No. Not, off, not for me. Okay. Sun City in South Africa. That yeah. was always quite a cool track. That'd be cool. Who can forget Everts waving at the crowd and crashing? Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? No. <laughs> No. In uh, 2005, Everts was leading and had this like rhythm section. This thing. was your heyday, though, wasn't it? I, this was, I love 2005. Yeah. In 2005, Everts was leading and uh, there was like this rhythm did section out, thing. Did you actually go outside in 2005 or did, did you stay inside? Stay inside. Yeah. Um, okay. In 2005, Everts was leading and there was like this rhythm section, like three corners from the finish. Yeah. And as he was over like the biggest jump, he did a little point to the crowd. Yeah. And as he landed, he didn't get his hand on the bars in time and crashed and Coppins rode past him and won the, won the race. Wow. You, you don't care, do you? No. But great story, bro. Great oh, story. Um, okay, end. Okay. Yeah. Gaeldorf was always quite, looked always quite cool. Gaeldorf. Gaeldorf. Okay. Um, yeah, okay, and end, because we've gone too long. <laughs> okay, next question. App473 says, has a two-stroke 250 support class been viewed as a success? I would like to see the American motocross, san- the AMA motocross sanction. I'd like to see the AMA sanction something similar here in the US. So he's talking about the EMX 2T series. Okay. Um, I like it, but I don't know if it's been a success. No, I think it has if you compare where it was originally. If you remember the first year, they had like 12 entries. You want about EMX 300? Yeah. They had about 12. Okay. En- they had like 12 entries the first year, whereas yeah. now they get full gates. That, in my mind, is a success. Yeah. No, I, I think it's good. I'd like, uh, it, it'd be good to see. I don't think they do have full gates. Close enough. No, I don't think it's like I don't think, in, no, in Portugal, they had like 23, but not typically it's a full gate. Yeah. And that was, Portugal was a bit of a stretch for some people to get to. Yeah. I think, uh, I don't know. I think uh, it's great to see, you know, the Todd Kellett's, Brad Anderson's, and, and everybody else in there, and obviously Mike Crass. But I guess for me, I'd like to see different riders in there. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Is, is there kind of, you know, riders what? I think it's a great series for riders that can, you know, this whole thing about the cost of four strokes and blah, blah, blah. However, I, what I would say is the the two-stroke series is very expensive to do because uh, they've got a round in 
Latvia and around in Russia. So what's that? I don't, I don't even want to know what the miles are. I think someone quoted me at 4,500 miles or something. You know, that's a big expense for a, a series that is supposed to be, uh, you know, a, a, an affordable series. Yeah, I, I think, could it be better? I think, yeah, I think it could, it could be better. Would, 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 I don't know. I, I don't know. I might get hated for this, but the whole two-stroke thing... Are we, what are we going to do? We're we going to be talking about electric bikes and then we'll be going back to, oh, we only had four strokes. I don't know. Anyway, Lewis, next one. I actually, <laughs> I actually didn't listen to a word of it. Brilliant. Uh, MX Justin says, Tano Leox raced 250 GPs since 2002, but Kevin Strybos started GPs in 2000. So is KS for the active racer with the longest GP racing record? Who is the active racer with more GP starts under his belt, Leox or Strybos? Oh, that's what you were doing while I was talking. So you're trying to get the answer to that? No. What do you think? think? What do you mean? I thought you were trying to work out the stats on that. No. No, I'd have to look into it. But I'm just trying to generally think about injuries. Strybos has had had a fair few injuries. And if you look at 2008 to 2011, those were dark years where he wasn't really doing much. Leok is like the Terminator, though. Does does, does he ever get injured? I can't really think of a time where he missed significant... I think he's like the Chuck Norris of of But then you've also got... I think there were times when Leok dipped out with MVRD rides and stuff like that. I can kind of see that Leok may injure rocks instead of himself. He is definitely the Chuck Norris of, of MXGP. Yeah, I don't know, but... Um... Okay, well, you're boring me now, so let's move on to the next okay. one. I'd say it's Leok, purely on the basis that Strybos had a few dark years. Okay. John Blatherwick on Facebook asked, why was, Por- why was the Portuguese GP cheaper than the other rounds for fans' entry? I don't know. I, um, think, um, I don't think there's a standard set rate in each country, It's down to each is promoter, it? isn't it? Yeah. Because like Steve Dixon put the prices down for the British GP this year. Yeah. So that was obviously his decision. The other thing, although Portugal looks absolutely fantastic as a holiday destination, I think the country as a whole is a lot more poorer than most uh, European countries. So I think that, you know, um, I, th- I think because of that, I think it's a lot, it's definitely a lot cheaper if you, if you move out of the, the big cities than the, we even noticed the food and just the general living there for four days was so much cheaper than um, any other GP we've done. So I'm guessing it's just because of, so different. I'd lo- I'd be interested to find out how much the Indonesia one costs. I'll have to look into that when I go there this year. I thought it was free. Qatar was free. Oh, okay. Don't know about Indonesia though. Okay. I, I thought Indonesia was free, but maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'm uh, wrong. Who's Tomo asked, what was the issue with the boss bikes? Uh, I think a mention of a non-Kawasaki Park was mentioned, but until they say, we can only assume it was a Kawasaki Park, right? Everyone says it's not nothing to do with Kawasaki. And what I wonder... I. They're never going to say, and I don't even know if they know, honestly. Would it be funny if it was suspension? It's obviously not. Suspension isn't going to cause a bike to cut out. I know, but I'm just saying. Okay. Um, Giving out your suspension company. So honestly, I don't even... I was just trying to be funny, but obviously... No, that's terrible. Yeah, okay. I question whether they even know, but one thing that's been on my mind about it is that Matterley, in the qualifying race, Tommy had a problem with an aftermarket battery. Okay. Could it be that again? Would it not make sense? Maybe it wouldn't cause the bike to splutter, though. It just cause it to die, wouldn't it? But that kind of has been the one thing on my mind. Like that, there's precedent for it. Technically, um, you're a journalist, aren't you? Yeah. Isn't this the sort of things you need to find out? Uh, I did interview Tommy after the race. Yeah, but he, maybe you should interview the the team manager. I don't think they like me. <laughs> why? Why do they not like you? Because of the interviews I've done with Tommy this year. Okay, I can't imagine anybody not liking you. I know. How do you feel about me? <laughs> He's definitely on my Christmas card list now. Finally. Yep. Back to where we started, at jpaul underscore on Instagram. Oh, two questions. Asked, 
this you is, must like him. This is my first season following MXGP, and I've become a massive fan of Prado. I'm wondering what to expect in the future. Is his dominance of MX2 reminiscent of Crowley and Hurlings, or is this something new? Big fan of the podcast. Keep up the good work. What a nice guy. Yeah. I think it's reminiscent of Hurlings. No. Hurlings had, a, Hurlings had a deeper field, A. Right. Or did he? Because it was Charlier and Tixier. I'm just saying right, because I don't believe you, but I'm just trying to get you to think through this so you don't make yourself look a the dick only, when you listen no, back to it. The only thing I'm thinking is Hurlings would string off 14, like 20 moto wins in a row. Right. Prado stopped at 13. Oh. Oh, that's shit. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Okay, no, now that you put it like that, yes, the level of dominance is... It's fucking yeah. right it is, I, yeah. Yeah, no, I was wrong. I was yeah. trying to overanalyze. Yeah, don't overanalyze. Uh, it's I not th- good for you. But um, Jay Paul also said another thing on Instagram that I didn't copy over. Okay. After, but, but, yeah. About Prado, after this, he put, sorry about the long-winded uh, questions. I've only just listened to the post-race podcast. Did Pedro actually call Prado perfect? You can almost feel his love heart-shaped pupils through his headphones. And that, <laughs> I like him and already. And that little giggle afterwards. Oh, wow. Honestly, Lewis, pull yourself together, man. With a laughing face, because he's joking. Because I did say that Prado was... We could. I said to Prado, we could say you're pretty much perfect. Yeah. Which on now sounds a bit weird. I think, I think the other thing as well is when Ben listens to this, he's going to feel a little bit uh, I think jealous. I, what I meant by Prado being perfect, though, is we rarely see him put a fo- foot wrong. Obviously, we did on Sunday, but even so, I still wouldn't back yeah. down on that too much. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a blip. Prado will uh, reassess and, you know, come back stronger. And that's all for Ask Vice. Anything this week? Ta-da! Ta-da. Was that eight questions, was it? Yeah. Okay. No, that went quick. Yeah. Right then. Are we done? Yeah, I think we're done. Is this the end? Well, actually, uh, oh, no. before we go to the end, uh, I've done a podcast a couple of months oh, ago yeah, I forgot with, about that. with um, Diego Clement, who is the, I believe he is the Who's Foreigner factory uh, racing manager. So his job is to, uh, you know, look at, write all the contracts, look at the riders for this year. And he works with Robert Jonas, um, Who's Foreigner. Uh, and he shapes not just the MXGP program, but basically the worldwide program and from across and Enduro. Are you going to interrupt me? What's wrong? No, I'm waiting for you to finish. I was just going to say, when Diego first joined, his title was head of um, Husqvarna Motorsport. Don't know if that's still the case or if he's got a promotion Great. over the years. Thanks, thanks very much. I was for... just trying to help because you said, I think it is. I was just clarifying. Brilliant. Well, that's great. Actually, on the podcast, he does actually say okay. what he is. But, but thank, thanks I would have that. thought that you would have listened to it then and learned. Jesus Christ. I don't know why I bother. But yeah. So uh, yeah. So this is an interview we've done, I think. Jeez, where was Trentino. it? Trentino. Trentino. So um, it's really good, really insightful. And at the time, I think uh, Ferrato, we were just talking about Ferrato and uh, Diego was supposed to be out there to, to watch him um, because obviously he was going to get a podium. We, we kind of got him sidetracked. But uh, I think it's a, good, it's, it's a good insight for an industry person uh, about what he does and, and everything else. So um, yeah, hope you guys like it. Yeah, Max, for sure. Hey, this is James Burfield. I'm here for uh, this week's podcast with um, Diego Clement. Welcome to the show, Diego. Hey, James. Thank you. So, Diego, what's your official title? So, my official title is uh, Husqvarna Motorsport Manager, which means, uh, yeah, I take care about the global off-road um, program for Husqvarna Motorcycle. Ah, very cool. So, um, we've known each other for, for quite a while, I would say. Um, obviously not as back when uh, you were a rider, but definitely through you working with your previous position, which was in within Scott. So um, let's go back to 
uh, I want to talk about kind of uh, the younger years of Diego because um, you're actually a good rider yourself. I used to race. I grew up actually with Arnaud Tonius and Guillaume and Jeremy Seer was a bit um, younger than us. But so 65, 85, 125, yeah, I was racing with Arnaud and uh, Valentin. Then they turned pro. I started to work, started my apprenticeship. So that's kind of how the way went. And uh, yeah, now we see where they are. And <laughs> I was sitting in the office and doing some contracts and paper stuff. But no, I really like it. And, <laughs> of course, the dream when you're young is to be professional. But, you know, sometimes you can not change it and need to accept how it is and do the best out of it and no regrets on my end anyway that's very cool so um do you still ride probably once a year on easter <laughs> <laughs> we go with friends to italy and yeah but after to be honest after one and a half day i'm just out uh arm pump and my back hurt so then i'm good for one year again and but now i'm looking forward to to the next two weekends yeah so i'm gonna go back on the bike and uh, can't wait to yeah, to be back on track, actually. Ah, that's cool. So um, I know I've kind of seen you previously on the, is it the electric bike, the free bike, free ride? Yeah, we have a little e-bike, like free ride um, park at the company, or next to the company. So also there we go once, twice a year with uh, people from the office. And there's, it's pretty cool, actually, because also the girls from the office and everybody comes. Yeah. So uh, it's funny. But even there, I got the R pump, like, after 10 minutes. So... Wow. Yeah, it's really because there you break with your hands. You have nothing on the feet. Okay. So, yeah, we're just not used to it. So ah. Arm pump is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's there for sure. Now that's cool. Um, so how did you go from... Uh, talks through kind of going from... You kind of decided that, do you know what? I'm, I'm not going to do this, so I'm going to look at maybe still being involved in the sport. So what? how did you transition from um, from being a rider to... To, to, to get into this position? Um, yeah, so my background is in construction, actually. Wow. So, um, I was always racing, since I'm seven, actually. Uh, I was a good Swiss national racer, but I never did GPs or so. Um, then I kind of got involved in the Swiss Federation a little bit. Um, then with 21, I stopped racing. I had, had some injuries, and so because I was working, and of course I would never make a living with motocross, yeah, I had kind of to put priority on this. But here, how it started, um, I was always traveling. Since I'm 16, I'm traveling the world. So I think it was 2013 or 14, I went to Japan and went to the X Games, uh, the X Fighters. And there was Mathieu Rebo, which is a good friend of mine. So when I was sitting there on the grandstand with his dad, I just told him that oh, somehow working in the industry would be quite funny and I would like that for sure. He just said, oh, yeah, it's nice and yeah, whatever. And Matthew was a Scott athlete. So two years later, out of the blue, I got on, on Facebook, I got a message from a guy working at Scott, which I knew a little bit, but not more than that. Now he just told me, oh, call me on that number and I need to ask you something. So I just called him. It was beginning of December, actually. Uh, yeah, I called him and he told me, oh, they're looking for somebody in marketing and that knows the sport and speak languages and things like that. And I was like, oh. Uh, why not? I had nothing to lose, so I went in for an interview. But to be honest, myself, I never thought I will do it because I started career in construction, getting to um, construction manager and things like that. So yeah, project manager. 
So, but anyway, I was 23 or 22 years old, so I had nothing to lose. And I went for the interview and yeah, they hired me. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, let's do it. And yeah, that's how it started actually. And then I was three years at Scott. Yeah. Had planned anyway to leave because during the, my time at Scott, I did the prospect call. Yeah. So there was, was three years of development and everything. And once we launched it, I kind of missed the new thing to work on. So I decided to yeah to to leave at the end of the year. And uh, I, I was planning to, to travel the world for one year. So I had saved the money and was ready to go. And in that year, I did a deal with KTM factory, TMX2. And yeah. Yeah, also there at, in Aston, probably Aston 16. I just told Antti Biron, which was a good friend of mine, that I had liked to work for him because I like the setup and the way he's working and things. Unfortunately, he or for me, he just hired Tommy okay. weeks before. So, yeah, there was no space. But then just Robert Jonas came around the corner and Antti just said, oh, Robert, in case you're looking for somebody, just think about Diego. And uh, Robert says, uh, yeah, nice, <laughs> whatever, you know, kind of like whatever. <laughs> yeah, <okay>. thanks. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, then we actually we did a, I did a deal with Robert for the KTM team. And when we signed the deal at Eichma, um, yeah, I won't stand up and leave the room. And he said, no, wait, wait, wait. I was like, yeah, what? If I'm still interested to do something else or so. And I was like, uh, yeah, why not? Uh, yeah, they were looking for somebody and... Then I think the next week I was already in Austria having a look at the company and I just decided, yeah, I'm coming. Without even thinking about moving to a different country or, you know, whatever it means, leaving your friends, your family. Yeah. I just decided by heart I haven't doing that. And yeah, now I'm since two years at KTM. Yeah. KTM. And I actually love it and enjoying the time there. That's very cool. Yeah. So kind of for people who are listening in uh, to this podcast, really you kind of put yourself out there because you were approaching people and kind of networking. Exactly. I always tell to everybody, even now to younger people, um, always tell your dreams. Tell your dreams to people. You never know what's going to happen. And, you know, sometimes two years later, maybe sometimes six months later, whatever can come out. And yeah, just tell your dreams. And of course, I need to be honest, I was maybe also at the right time, at the right place. Yeah. Met maybe the right people too, but you need kind of to... Um, Anticipate a little bit and you know yeah. to, to do something for it and then yeah. Yeah, I need to put yourself out there, I guess. Exactly, and everything happens for a reason. One more time, I guess. Wow. <laughs> so I can actually remember when you you done the presentation for a Scott Prospect Google. I can't remember. What, it was, was it Lommel? Yep. Ah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah I remember uh, I remember that very well. So it's interesting kind of linking it um, linking it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean one thing you did mention there is that languages and I'm I'm always gets to me, is it five languages you, you speak or understand? Yeah. For like three and a half, let's say, because my mother language is French, but I grew up in a German part, Swiss German part. So Swiss German is one language, and of course the High German, the German German, um, English, and a bit of Italian. Okay. Because so, yeah. uh, it always amazes me when I'm stood in pit uh, in pit lane with you, and you know a lot of people. So people walking past, and you're literally answering people in three different languages, and I'm just here in English, just feeling very. <laughs> Insecure. Uh, no, that, that, that's for sure a nice benefit. Living or being from Switzerland, like we have four official national languages, um, and one more time, like languages open new doors to many different ways, and uh, it's always even different if you talk to people in their na- nature language. Yeah. Or in English, because also English is not my, my native language, but I try my best, and 
yeah. So. No, your, your actual English is better than mine. Nah, come on. <laughs> it's just I don't like the British yeah. English. Wait till you listen to this back and then you'll realise. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, I'm, I'm really struggling with the British English ones, uh, like sometimes. For yeah. me, it's easier than American English, so I don't know. why. Maybe because I'm more used to that or so. Yeah. But, uh, it's just hanging out with us. Yeah, yeah, like Paul, the mechanic from AJ, yeah. the Irish people. It's even a different oh, story. That's different, yeah. <laughs> but I'm getting used to it, so it's fine. So, what going back to um, Scott, mm-hmm. you, was you the athlete manager as well as marketing? Yes, I mean Scott. They have four different divisions, and I was in the motorsport division. So we had on road, snowmobile, and off road. So I was taking care about events, media work, sponsoring all kind of things that comes together with marketing. Yeah. And uh, it was good because I could learn a lot. Sometimes a bit busy, let's say, because you had to do so many things. But yeah, at the end, I look at that as a positive thing because yeah, I got a little bit of experience in everything. And uh, yeah, even now, like Friday, I organized uh, the media event for Husqvarna. Yeah. So that was really good. And uh, everybody joined in what I heard, so. Very cool. Yeah. And uh, one of the things which we haven't touched upon and possibly people don't even know is that you were team manager for Switzerland for a few years. Yes, for nine years I was managing the, the Swiss team at the Nations. The first time actually in Francia Corta in 2009, I think. Yeah. And then the last time in, where was it? Probably Erne. Okay. In Erne. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that was also a little bit because for the Swiss Federation, they don't really have a lot of possibilities, let's say, financially or also manpower. So I started that with Mark Ristri. Yeah. Then he, we did that, that thing together for three years. Then he started a new job. And so I did that by my own for many years. And uh, it was nice. It was really nice because that was the time I was not working for Scott. So I kind of brought me in a little bit in the industry and I made some contacts. And yeah. But I really enjoyed it. And I think the last two times I did, we had a hospitality kind of a Swiss house. And it was very cool. Everybody really enjoyed it. And uh, now was really good. Also, the results. Can I remember the straw hats? Was it straw hats at some point? And yeah. the checkered shirts? Yeah, Is things, that right? exactly. Yeah. yeah, things like that. Yeah, so, very cool. Yeah, we just tried to do something different, you know, with the teamwork for the athletes or for the team and stuff. And, but it was good because I could get a bit creative, let's say. And yeah. also there, I could learn a lot. And no, it was a fun time. It was a really good time. Um, and another thing as well is you, you actually raised a lot of the money to get the Swiss team. Yeah, exactly. Actually, so, to the nations. Yeah, exactly. So, what sort of things did you used to do? We did some fan packages, T-shirts, caps, all kind of things. And with this money, then we could hire the hospitality and and all those kind of things. So very cool. Yeah, yeah. And it was a really good ambience. I think we had around fifty guests. Wow, right. Everybody from Switzerland, and yeah, that was a really nice atmosphere. That's cool. Yeah, that's very cool. So, um. Like looking back, the, the federation and Scott that really gave you the tools. It was a kind of a good apprenticeship yeah. for the position you're currently in. For sure, because uh, yeah, I was, for example, race director for GPs, sidecar GPs, and even the first time in Frontfeld, the MXGP, I was race director there. So yeah, for sure, it gives you maybe some some pressure you need to handle somehow because at the end you are responsible for the event. If something goes wrong on the track, whatever, who will be the first one where the fingers are pointed on? So yeah, it's important to stay calm always, to 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 think before you do or say something because this could reflect negatively on you. Yeah. Um. Of course, you need to know a bit the rule books too. So, 
but no, I really enjoy that still today. I enjoy it and because things like that you know, could make the difference between a good team manager or so to a very good one. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Well, one thing you touched upon there is kind of, you know, you're talking about kind of making sure you say the right things and, and everything else. And we've seen this transition to social media now with um, riders. So any kids coming up um, and, and are listening to this and their parents are listening to this, any kids coming through the, you know, through this and looking to, be, to, to, to look for sponsorship or any type of help, how important is it to conduct yourself correctly on social media now and how much as uh how much do Husqvarna and KTM actually look at social media of their riders yes it, it is very important nowadays it is a tool it is part of the job of the riders let's say um, especially the sponsor also demand that you know like posting and doing using the correct tags and hashtags and things so we take it really seriously even if you know sometimes it, the rider didn't have a good day you know how is he posting something or how does it say it, or it's all really matters, and we have always looked. We always do a media training too with the writers at the beginning, beginning of the year. Cool. Just to remind them, look, this is important in case of a bike failure, this is important in case of an injury, this is important for sponsors, just, yeah. And I think it's also important for them because now this is maybe a generation they kind of had to learn everything the younger one let's say they they grew up with that so it's normal for them yeah but still some older i don't want to say older but you know the guys <laughs> some around, more mature writers yeah 29 <laughs> 29 like the guys in my age we kind of grow into that like yeah. yeah so yeah for sure we always need to think about it and think oh is that right or is that maybe better so it is it is some work but yeah also there it's interesting and always can learn something so that's cool. And um, from because obviously we'll talk a little bit about your role in a, in a moment. But from from a, a business point of view, is the social media and numbers like the audience that riders have is that taken into account into account when you're looking at things like contracts or anything else, or is it purely race results? No, I mean at the end he needs to win the races. Okay. That's for sure. Even if the the main thing. Yeah. Of course, if he's not good on social media, I'm not saying this is the deal breaker. But if he's not the best one, then it's high on the list that we work on it. That's for sure. Yeah. As Lewis says, you can work with speed, <laughs> but and you can possibly teach social media. So, yeah. but All you right. can't teach speed. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. I better credit him on that one because he gets ever so funny. Sorry. Lewis gets ever so funny if I don't credit him. <laughs> so even though he's not here, he's getting some credit. He will love it. <laughs> so, um, you know, obviously, I, this is a. Over the next sort of three or four months, this is a very busy time for you because you get, uh, obviously, you look at the teams, people coming to you asking for support, I guess. Mm -hmm. So as well as the, the, the factory team, the factory who's far on the team, you're actually overseeing um, the satellite teams as well. And then it could be new teams coming into the sport. It could be existing teams, other people switching for manufacturers. When do those talks um, start? Um, the talk starts like end of June, July, August probably. Yeah, yeah. more or less. Um, yeah, some teams already have like a tier agreement, so there we basically already know who will race for them. Okay. Um, other team always have a one-year agreement with the riders, so maybe some rides need to move up to the 450 because of the age limit. Uh, but yeah, let's say July and August it starts, and it starts getting busy. Okay. And also for people out there, this isn't just MXGP, is it? 
No. We actually... How, 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 how uh, does your job... It, how so much does it expand? We have 20 factory riders because we belong... Uh, we also have Rally, Enduro, US Off-Road and Supercross. Wow. So we have 20 factory riders. We have on Husqvarna around four to five satellite-supported, factory-supported teams. Okay. So, yeah, and then I just actually... I think two weeks ago I made a list with all new contracts we need to renew and I was on 104 contracts I think. Wow. With sponsors of course and everything yeah. together but yeah. It's, it's going to be a busy yeah. autumn with no trips to the mountains I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah your Instagram's going to yeah. suck for a couple yeah, of months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, but I'm looking forward to it and I'm trying to get prepared now for that time you know, yeah. make sure that the contracts like the, the templates are correct and you know things we maybe should think about putting you in or yeah I'm working on that now and yeah I guess things evolve you you get to see different things throughout a season you get to learn from different things and you can start to add those into the contracts and exactly because why do we put things in the contract it's because it happens in the past and it was maybe a, a point to discuss or mm -hmm. to have discussions so that's why we put something in the contract to make yeah. it clear um, yeah, and every year is new, has different situations, and you always learn. So, yeah, yeah you just want to have the best in that end for the rider and for the company, of course. So, for athletes like, uh, say, Zach Osborne, Jason Anderson over, over in the US, are you, are you the guy who, who is responsible to, to do those contracts and talk to them? Uh, we do that with Robert Jonas, the vice president of um, motorsport. Okay. We do that together and. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a teamwork, I'd say. Ah, very so cool. Sometimes he does the deal and I write the contract, or for other things, yeah, I do the con. I make the deal and he does the contract. It just depends who has time and you know who has maybe the better relationship or knows the guys better. Or there are many different things coming together. And uh, yeah, and how um how important from a, a from the business point of view is the relationships with the riders? Is that something you constantly work on? I had to say it's important. You need to know them, but it. It can be a little bit loose and funny sometimes. This is absolutely no problem, but still it should be, you know, like with respect. You respect them as a writer. They respect you as the person that, you know, kind of not the employee, but... He's paying the bills. Exactly. <laughs> we, pay the, yeah, we pay them the bills. So it needs to be a healthy relationship, let's say. Yeah. If there is something to talk, we should talk about it and not just, you know, talk behind the bike or something. Yeah. But So, uh, so communication is key. Yeah, I would say so. And... I think that's what everybody's missing, a good communication at the end in any kind of, you know, even at home with family, with friends, in every kind of life situation, I think communication is really key. Yeah. And I think that's sometimes a little bit, you know, the crazy thing with WhatsApp, for example, you just text your friends on WhatsApp and sometimes the emotions don't come really over the right way and then they kind of think, oh, you're pissed or... Yeah, or I get that a lot. Yeah, you know, if you have someone on talk, then you immediately hear his voice or so, so it's a lot different than just getting a message. Yeah. And even it's funny what I recognize, you know, like, sometimes we write emails, and the way you write email, it sounds aggressive, but it's absolutely not for a different country or things like that. So yeah. especially, you know, between France and Germany or Switzerland. Um, yeah, it's really special always because sometimes we say, oh, he's aggressive, like, he puts, like, three... Uh, how do you say it? Uh, oh, the dots. The dots. Or, or yeah, the exclamation like, mark. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're like, oh man, he is angry. Yeah. But like in some countries, they just do it. Yeah. Without be meaning it like uh, like hard or like what, mean or something. What you need to do is just add bro 
at the end of it, and then yeah, it's all cool. Point. <laughs> Can you do this, bro? And then it's all cool. Then See? it's all, yeah. almost, yeah. yeah. yeah no, no, not no, even, don't take my advice. No, even like if the Americans can't, because the Americans, they never say, we always say, hey, how are you? And, you know, and the Americans say, boom, that's it. And, you know, like, do this, or what is that about that? And yeah. so first I was always like, oh, they're mad on me, or, but no, that's how they are. They're and just straight and yeah, exactly. direct so, to the point. In, yeah. Yeah. I mean, now we are so used to it, so it's fine. Yeah. I'm the same to them. I don't say anywhere, hello yeah. and how are you? You're not going to get an emoji <laughs> off of Diego. <laughs> no, no, but it's, it's really, you know, with all different cultures and languages and things, you need to kind of, kind of get used to it and, yeah, see how people work and how, how they are and react and things, but it's, it's interesting. What do you think has been the toughest thing of your uh, part of your job to learn? Ooh. Ah. Now I got to you thinking. Honest, yeah, now you really get me thinking. No, I mean, you know, it just, in general, you need always, you know, if maybe you have some argument with somebody or you don't agree with their decision, you, you, yeah, you just need to be polite and correct and honest. That's what I try. I always told myself, always be honest. You know, if a no is a no, then you need to tell me no right away and not maybe yes and then two weeks later a no because, yeah, yeah, always be honest, straightforward and they either they accept the no or the yes or whatever the answer is or not but at least you've been honest to them yeah and because they respect you for that exactly I yeah. think yeah this is something I think really important but otherwise yeah being tough of course and you do a contract you know it's uh, I like doing contracts in the evening when there's just nobody in the office anymore yeah so I'm quiet in my office and I have time to think about it yeah because a contract now this is quite complex and yeah a mistake could cost the company a lot of money yeah so yeah that's for sure really a mental thing let's say okay how um because you must be you must uh you build these relationships with riders and i find this um just an interesting point for me but you build these relationships with riders how hard is it to kind of say to the riders you know like do you know what it's it's not quite working out and you become friend good friends with with some of these people you you try and distance yourself i guess but at the same time you can't help yourself but you want to help them and you become good friends how hard is it to say i'm really sorry but we're not gonna renew that the contract for next year it's never easy you know either it's with a sponsor a writer with whatever maybe an employee or it's never easy for sure what at the end, yeah, we need to do the best for a company and it doesn't mean that we don't work with the writer or with this person in the future that I don't say him hello to him anymore, no. My goal is always to see him in the next year and still, you know, talk to him and say hello and have a small talk because, yeah, I think it, that's more the human side that yeah. you, you just cannot do that. Like, no. you know, it's not because he writes for a different team or brand or whatever that you don't talk to him anymore, no. This should not be the case and so far, I guess, I'm doing good with that <laughs> <laughs> still got people talking to you yeah yeah so far I mean you are still talking to me I'm still talking to you <laughs> <laughs> no but yeah that's just you know if you're down to earth you need to be down to earth and just be normal yeah there are sometimes people they walk around yeah with I mean yeah just be down to earth and honest and yeah definitely people will accept will respect you for that for sure yeah and we both know that this community that we're, we're in is very small it is a very small even you know when I was in Switzerland I was like looking up to the cheapies I was like wow the cheapies and so big and now I'm in, in it and it's still such a small family and yeah very small and it's funny because you know kind of everybody and it's a big family you know yeah. because I have the uncle 
the yep. cool uncle, the not so cool uncle, the nice aunt and things. And it's the same here. Yeah. So, but still, at the end, everybody is here, and you need to deal with everybody. And you know, even the people maybe you don't like so much or so, still, <laughs> you need to say hello. Yeah, I always. Yeah. You know, you see, say hello. How are you? And just have respect for this person. And yeah, that's it. We've so, all got different opinions. Exactly. Right? Yes. And yeah, I respect everybody's opinions. Sometimes they are right. Sometimes I am right, but. I think that's a good thing because otherwise it would be boring. Yeah, it right? would. <laughs> so, um, from a who's finest point of view, are, are they out to win races? Oh yeah, we want we want to be the best. And yeah, we hire the riders to win races for sure. Okay, so um, looking this year, you've got um, uh, Arminas Jazakonis. HA, yeah. Uh, you've got uh, Paul Jonas. Uh, Olsen, who's having a very good season. TKO and Jet Beaton, exactly. And Jet Beaton, yeah. and, and we have of course Mikkel Harup. Oh yeah, the nice one. Yeah, on, in the MX2. Lewis and, is a big fan. And Kai the Wolf, <laughs> of course, in the EMX 125. So yeah. Now he had a good winter with Erasmus. Yeah. And uh, the team so made made a lot of progress. He's only 14. Wow. 14 and a half actually, and uh, yeah, we have good hopes for him in the future. Cool. Yeah. So um. Looking at the, the the next generation of riders coming through, is it, is that an important part for you? You've got Mikhail Harrop, who's who's developing quite nicely. Um, you've got Kader Wolf, who's spoken very highly of um, by the team. Is is this? Have you got one eye on the next generation of riders that you would like to see on on? on yeah, on always. Husqvarna? We always watch the EMX one twenty five to two fifties. Even like in Lockheed, they are the sixty five eighty fives. Yeah. So we always have a look on them and. Of course, it's never a guarantee. No. If somebody's fast in the younger class, that he will be a top 10 um, GP rider. But at the end, it's the goal to have to find those special, let's say, Prado, Hurlings. Even with Tom Vial now. Yeah. On the KTM side, it was, uh, yeah, we're really happy how it goes. And hopefully, it keeps going like that. Yeah, I mean, that's. It probably shouldn't be a surprise if you if you if you know Tom and, you, and you're within the sport. But for me, who's not that closely connected, for someone who's gone from ninth in EMX 250 to you know doing what he's doing currently in MX2, I think that's huge. I, I, I did not see him coming out is and doing as well as he he, he is yeah. at this moment. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny because he chose. I know Tom from the past at Scott. Because I started working with him like probably like five years ago in wow. Scott. And he chose a different way. So he went from the 85 straight to the 250. Okay. He skipped the 125. So the first year 250, he just threw in France, the French championship. Yeah. Then the second year 250, which was 2017, he did some EMX. Yeah. And some more international races, let's say. Yeah. And last year in 18, he did the full EMX actually. So that's quite a nice approach. He's kind yeah. of realized that this might be a little bit above me at the moment. And because I guess if you go out too early and you go straight into EMX 250, this is going to destroy your confidence exactly. riding against yeah. guys at the time who are probably 30 years old. Yeah, yeah. And uh, no, so Fred, his dad, made a really good move by putting him straight to the 250. And uh, yeah, last year he was. Actually, nobody last year was really consistent in the EMX. That was a tough year because they always had a good motor and a bad motor. Everybody. Either yeah. it was Boarame or Vial or everybody that was up front. So it was kind of strange because, yeah, there was no, not really a guy dominating. And so, yeah, who do you pick or, you know, for who are you looking for? But then looking at Tom, he had a little bit of support from Husqvarna, from, from us. Yeah. 
So also there I was every week in contact with his dad and things and you know just talking and getting to know them even better. Okay, cool. So and then I think in Lommel he did probably a twenty fifth or something. I, I think he made one or two points, but nothing more. Yeah. And then in Aston, what is that? Maybe six weeks later or so. Yeah. He already made a podium. In the wow. sand, so we kind of saw, and he was practicing in the sand in that time, in those six weeks or in that time period. So we kind of saw he's learning quick. Yeah. And uh, anyway, the style he already had the style. It was never a discussion. He is really smooth and has a nice style, and almost never goes over the limit, which is also good. So he and rides then, within himself. Yeah, yeah. And then with him, you know, doing this progress in this short period in sand as a French rider from the south. Yeah. It was quite impressive and. Yeah, that's actually then how it came together. Wow, so that's kind of the story about how he managed to get the MX2 slot. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It was really, uh, yeah, he did. He impressed us, really, yeah. by his improvements. And also the family, you know, very down to earth, and they do everything for the kids. So the whole family moved from South of France to Belgium with his brother. Um, he's doing homeschooling now. He also writes a little bit for fun. Wow. But really the whole family is working for Tom and... Yeah, it's uh, it's really nice to have them. That's the, very cool. On the KTM side. Yeah. That's yeah. very cool. I mean, one of the things which I didn't actually realize is uh, the amount of, um, I guess, attention you're spending on, on the youth. And it's really interesting for people who are at home and you're possibly wondering, how do we get how do we get there? How do we get this support? How do we... I guess if you're not in EMX 65 and you're not in EMX 85 and you're not doing the 125 and 250, it's very hard because you have to be... You have to put yourself there, whether it's... Exactly, that's, I mean, in all the GPs, that's where the teams are, the manufacturers are, and, yeah, that's where we get to see the people. Once in a while, we have subsidiaries, you know, in every country, so there we get, sometimes we get a tip from the subsidiaries, oh, look at this guy, or maybe, you know, look at this guy, even if he is not doing the EMX. Still, we probably never see this guy riding, but then we rely a little bit on, yeah, on the subsidiaries or on their experience. Yeah. Let's say once one time it doesn't work out, and one time you're lucky and it works out, and yeah, so we'll see. Very cool. So you got yeah. lots of irons and fires. Yeah, yeah, and of course sometimes around Europe and uh, I guess well around the world. I really like to go to the Junior World Championships, for example, because there it's nice. First, it's a nice event. Yeah. And always the top of the next generation, they will be there. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's always having a look and uh, an eye on them and making the first contact to them you know because I I still think for those people you know when the factory comes or so the people from the factory are maybe a bit scared or because it's for them it's also it's so big and you know so I'm just trying to to make them comfortable with talking to us and yeah that's cool we are also normal people <laughs> so yeah but it's funny sometimes you know yeah, people sometimes think we, we are on a different layer so but we were absolutely not you know we also cook with water and <laughs> you, you drink water and, uh, drink water. and, and, and eat wow right now I think you're a rock star but sometimes yeah. I also drink water yeah. on brand on brand <laughs> <laughs> hashtag uh, commercial <laughs> so uh, yeah should we cut to a rock star commercial now <laughs> um, so looking forward uh, just for example um, uh, you said that there's a, a, quite a few contracts um, I think I'm not going to ask you um, you know who you're looking at or whatever because I know that's I all top you. secret well I know <laughs> so it's a good try um, but what riders have you got who are coming up for end of contract this year 
Um, yeah, with AJ. Okay. We'll discuss again. Okay. But then Pauls and TKO and Jet. They're all... the team for next year. So. Ah, excellent. Okay. Yeah. And uh, in previous years you've had three riders. Is it always going to stay two now? Yeah, we went now in all teams to two riders. Yeah. Because with, you know, having more GPs and overseas GPs especially and everything, it's getting so much more professional and... Yeah, there's budget for two riders, and we want we rather have good quality and good support for two riders than having three. And you know, this we don't accept. We really want to be the best and having good quality. Yeah, and that's how we work. So it wasn't a case of uh, so looking at um, Paul's Jonas. You're looking at him for the future. You're looking at him developing. He's obviously in his rookie year. Yeah, you've probably seen what Jeremy Seward done last year for Yamaha, coming up from from the rookies. And you're probably expecting that kind of same pattern with of Pauls? Pauls, yeah. Of course, Pauls had a tough winter because of his knee injury. Yeah. So he just started riding in January. Yeah. So coming to the first GP, he had like 20 hours on a bike. But you can't say from 20 hours on a bike he had, there were maybe six or seven quality hours because everything else was getting used to a new bike, to yeah. a 450, to a new team. So you cannot really count this as a practice let's say or as a training yeah but uh now but since then he has shown good things um now they have a five-week break so for sure they will train hard and yeah, yeah I'm, looking, I'm excited for the future actually for the rest of the season with pauls and also aj yeah because in vulcan's order he was flying around the track he was crazy he was fast. a bit um suffering from the poor starts he had yeah but then the race pace was really good yeah very good i couldn't believe uh the lap times and how he was able to gain on the people in front of him and we're talking you know very you know riders at the top of their uh, profession yeah no Antti and the whole team actually made a good good they had a good win through with uh, with AJ yeah and uh, the raw diamond is kind of yeah the rough diamond yeah it's starting to shine a little bit and we also knew it takes time you know yeah because also for AJ he had a tough last year with injuries and things so yeah it was probably six months. He pretty much missed half the time. Exactly, yeah. without racing. And it's, it's not so easy, but no. He, he will get there. Yeah. We are sure. No, nah, that's cool. And um, like the goal for Thomas is is that kind the of... The title. <laughs> <laughs> oh, TKO needs to go for the title. Title, that's, that's it. Yeah. Nothing else. Yeah. Uh, but he's consistent, hey? He's looking very consistent yeah. this year. He's consistent and... Yeah, he just needs to finish the race and go for that podium and for the win. Yeah. And then at the end of the year, hopefully, the red plate will stay on his bike for the rest of the year. And Do you two think, because um, he's obviously a big guy like AJ, um, do you think that hinders his starts? Not sure, because when we see Alberto Ferrato, you know, he's... That's just, he is yeah. not only wow. tall, he's also a bit heavier than those two guys. Yeah. And he also has good starts, so... Yeah, so there's... Uh, he's actually put that myth to bed. Yeah, exactly. Because... And he he's fast. He's saving my ass, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everybody comes and say, ah, he's because of the high and so no, because look at the other guys. They're also high and they also have good swords. So. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure it's not. Yeah, we were talking about Albi Ferrato on the on the show last week, and yeah. uh, he's just because we've seen him from the the one fifty days yeah. and coming through, and uh, the development over the last couple of years. But is even crazy. last year, um, in Aston, was it when you saw his corner speed? Yeah, man, that was unbelievable, and uh, and he already had a podium in the two fifty, I think, two years ago, even a win, I think. Okay. I cannot remember where it was, but he was already for sure on the podium, and so he has that something in it, you know, yeah. in him. 
But now with Madi doing a really good work, with even with Guadagnini in the 125 and with Albi my 250. Um, yeah, they're developing some great riders. Yeah, 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 really. Uh, it's really good. And it's one of our of our supported factory Husqvarna teams. So, yeah. No, we are happy to have them. And I bet you are. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, he's like, they're making I, it no, great I, weekends I every weekend. I, I, I don't know what the MX250 second race just because I think it's just over. So I okay. don't know what happened there, but I'm pretty sure that he leaves uh, Arco with the two red plates. So yeah, I think also he is pretty pumped on that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm yeah, I'm, I'm becoming a big Albi fan. So uh, yeah, and they've they I think between uh, uh, the two of them, they I think they've swept this weekend. Yeah. So in front of the home crowd, which has got yeah. to be great. Uh, two Italians on Italian GB on top of the podium. I hope you win. Yeah. Or you won because I didn't see the results yet. Yeah, we better uh, check that. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. okay. Um, we'll, we'll edit it out. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> we'll make us sound great. Yeah, that's thank you. Thank you. Um, so looking forward, uh, what, what? You've obviously got some great riders. Jed, Jed's obviously been injured. We know, so he's he's going to be coming back. And um, I guess is. How, would, how is a natural progression for people like um, Mikhail Harrop and Kader Wolf? I mean, at what point do they step in uh, yeah, I mean, to these Kai positions? I mean, now with 125, um, his first season. So depending on that season goes, we'll decide if he moves up to the 250 or not for next year. Depending on that, of course, next up is two, MX2 and then eventually MXGP. Yeah. But it's, yeah, we always need to see, you know, some kids are ready earlier to move up to the 450 or to the 250 to the four stroke some need a little bit more time so I don't think there's a rule absolutely not okay we need to take you know how much is developing you know mentally physically and just take it from there and you know it's not because one guy is a top 10 only top 10 that he's not ready for the 250 maybe he needs to make the step to the 250 to keep developing yeah uh, yeah, so it really depends really on each rider, and you always need to look at each rider individually to hopefully make a good decision for him and for everybody. Cool. And uh, one question I was going to ask was um, from from the outside, Ice One is your MXGP team, and uh, uh, the the JM team is your 250 team. Um, but obviously, you've got Mikhail Harrop sat under underneath. The, the MXGP team is that just because uh, with Mikhail he he needed somewhere to develop and you felt that that was the best place how yeah. does that kind of work out uh, it's actually that um, Antti started to support Mikhail I think two years ago already okay. when he was still in 125 right um, yeah that's how it started he he got the support from Antti and yeah they they work together great then so ah very cool so he's going to stay sat here he's not going to move over to the 250 team. this this year he will stay here for sure ah okay yeah. cool yeah. but he's also no just need, <laughs> just need to <laughs> okay we'll move on from that one <laughs> so um so looking back uh is there anything which uh anybody who's aspiring to sort of get in the industry is there anything you would say to them um you know, I think we touched on a little bit about being in the right place at the right time, but is there anything that you'd say to those people who are looking to make the first step into, into to get into MXGP or into Pro Motocross or, or, you know, in the US or whatever? Yeah, sure. Always believe in you and never stop, you know, like I said, telling the people your dream and to work for it. Because it, even if everybody thinks I'm always on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> you are. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> no, but yeah, just you need to work 
work hard for it, you know, like no matter in what you do, just do it correctly. Yeah. Um, be always honest. So you gain the respect of the other people and once you have the respect, they will treat you also good and with respect and yeah, prove yourself, do good work and don't always be shy. Sometimes just make that first step to introduce you to somebody or, you know, to have questions because nobody will bite you or so, you know. Maybe they say, I'm not interested, I'll just leave. But they always give you an answer, somehow of an answer. And, uh, yeah. Cool. Well, um, thanks ever so much for spending the time. I know you've missed EMX 250. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> damn it, sorry. <laughs> no problem, no problem. <laughs> Apologize for that. But um, <laughs> really appreciate the time to uh, talk to you, Diego, because it's, nice it's a fascinating uh, career you've had so far. And I'm sure you're going on to, to, to bigger things as well. And, uh, yeah, it's great, great to talk. Thank you, James, and probably see you in Mantua. <laughs> <laughs> see you soon. Cheers, buddy. Thank you. EMX Hey, hope you guys like that. I thought it was really interesting. Uh, Diego is a really good guy, um, very approachable, very knowledgeable. So um, an interesting story for people out there who want to go from, you know, how we get into this industry and in, in, in how uh, you sort of move through it. Yeah, there's been plenty more of these uh, interviews all the way through uh, the year. I think Lewis is even sort of jumped on the bandwagon and is going to be doing some of his own podcasts. No, I've always said, but I'm doing, I've said since He's the not. very first episode, He's but I'm always for... going to do one no. hour long career retrospectives you with didn't. riders. Yes, I you have. You didn't. Ever since I started doing it, you're like, oh, no, no, I've missed out on something else. No. I must do that one. So, you actually, so now, you are actually drunk. You're a dick. And now you're going to be up till half four in the morning because you're going to be like, oh, he makes me work so hard. That's exactly what's going to happen. So do you wait actually time stamp this Rob because in three months time we'll be going oh some of us have to go I to wish, bed I wish, <laughs> I wish I wish Rob had a mic because 100% right now he is thinking that he remembers me saying from the very start that I will be doing hour long career retrospectives with riders and people because that's that is what I've said I've always looked forward to doing because I have a lot of questions right. to ask okay I thought that was going to be on a TV show but don't worry about it it was obviously uh, yeah short term memory loss so hope you like the uh, podcast show and um, we're going to be back next week and we're going to have our a new little section, which I think is going to be pretty cool because everybody will love this. So, um, okay, Lewis, say bye. Uh, bye. Bye. Cheers for listening. Yeah, Max. This podcast is brought to you by 24MX, Europe's biggest online motocross store. There are hundreds of your favorite brands at discounted prices. So head over to 24MX.com to shop now. Yeah, Max. Show, 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 show.